<laughs> so I'm like, surely that's just basketball. And they're like, no, it's handball. Oh, okay. And I'm like, well, the basketball's with your hands, no, it's a different thing. <laughs> <laughs> so we don't, we don't, we don't talk about it. Oh, oh, wow. wow. What, a, what a story. What, what a, story. a tale. What a tale speaking of tales, I hope yours are between your legs, gentle Why? listener, because it's time to get jiggy. I don't see the correlation. Neither do I. Unless they're being irritated like cats, and then that tail between the legs will puff out, and it'll look like they've got a furry wang. And they'll also go really close to the ground. Ooh, meats. But more on that later. <laughs> Welcome everyone to Big Damn Cast episode 63. Quick, we've got six weeks to come up with a dirty blowjob joke. Oh no. Uh, I am a vintage Twilight Zone action figure, still in box. <sighs> I've got something in my eye that's really bugging me. You do, don't you? Do you want to have a look at it? No, no I'm okay. I'll pour this tea into it. I'm okay, want. I'm good, I'm good. I don't want you going anywhere near my eye. I don't know where your hands have been. Mm, I didn't say I was going to use my hands. Oh no! We've got stories and stuff to talk about. We have, we have. We've got, um... <laughs> well, it looks like Warner Brothers are after another star for another Joker in another uh, movie. Um, in another life, in another universe. Inhumans has, has uh, arrived at IMAX. We've not seen it, but other people have. Um, <laughs> everyone's favourite DC superhero is getting their own roller coaster at Six Flags. <gasps> We've got some casting news for the live-action Titan series, which is apparently still happening. I know, some right? Some developments from Han Solo, and, of course, our usual... Rick and Morty Corner and your emails. Also, there's something on my show notes that just says, Dear David? Yes, so we'll I guess, get to that. I guess I'm, we're going to be talking about that. But first, um, <laughs> so as I'm sure you all know, there's been, we've talked about the idea of there being a Martin Scorsese produced Joker origin movie that's its own thing and not connected to the Jared Leto Joker from Suicide Squad and because, because, Please Warner Brothers wants to do movies. Release me. That also let me go. Aren't, um, <laughs> that also aren't connected to other movies they've done, despite trying to build a cohesive cinematic universe. But they're going to confuse the market further by releasing movies. That, uh, uh. Anyway, um, <laughs> according to the Hollywood Reporter, Warner Brothers want Leonardo DiCaprio for their Joker origin movie. Uh, you, you know, know that- the origin. Movie about a younger Joker. Yeah. Now I know Leo is known as Babyface Leo. He's a good-looking man, and he's kept his looks as he's got. But he's got to be what knocking forty. He, uh, I, mm, I think he might be mid to late forties. Mid this to late forties. Yeah. Check that. Let's let's take a let's take a let's take a bet on Leonardo DiCaprio's age. I'm going to say forty-seven. I'm going to say uh, thirty-nine. Okay. Okay. Actually, oh no. Do you know what? For, yeah, thirty-nine is probably closer because in the nineties when he was a heartthrob, he was in his. Early, uh, late teens, early twenties. He is. Damn it! I think you've won this one. He is forty-two. Oh, he is forty-two. The answer to the life, the Leo, and everything. The life, the Leo, and everything. Um, so yeah, um, the project's still not been confirmed. However, uh, the, tra- uh, the reports state that they're trying, still trying to get Martin Scorsese to sign on as producer. <laughs> um, Todd Phillips from The Hangover in line to direct because who else would you get for a gritty crime movie about the Joker. Again, like, gritty crime movie. He's meant to be a clown. Just do some clown shit. According to The Hollywood Reporter, Warner Brothers wants DiCaprio or another A-lister to play the Joker as a gritty crime boss in a Scorsese-esque Gotham underworld. So that's 
not that different from what they're doing with the DCEU Joker then, because he's meant to be a meant to be emphasis on meant to, meant be, to be meant to a be. gritty crime boss as opposed to a clownish supervillain. You know that thing that makes the Joker appealing and watchable. Let's just let's just get rid of that. No, no. What what would make it really appealing and watchable to audiences is telling the story of how he became the Joker, because <laughs> that's really. That's really what people want to know about this guy. We want to see. We want to see how well, he got those scars. To play Nicholson's advocate, the 1989 Batman movie is basically that. It's a movie about the Joker being created, and it's great. But it's great. But that's because it's not about the Joker per se. They didn't go in going, "We're going to tell the story of the Joker." They went in going, "Guys, we've got a Jack Nicholson vehicle, and we're going to take advantage of it." Yes. Plus, Tim Burton. Is completely disinterested in Batman and all he cares about the villains. But Tim it Burton works. is completely disinterested in most things. Like it is a gritty crime thriller um, <laughs> that's also camp and stupid and gothic and, and other things uh, that are all written on my CV. Sophic, just yeah, it's sophic. It's <laughs> it's like it's it's daft. But the thing is, like he's a mobster. He's a mobster. That's the closest you can get to making the Joker a mobster. Yeah, without it diverting too far from what makes him appealing as a clown, as a supervillain, and all that stuff. He's the number one guy. guy. Um, so yeah, I mean that that is this that town is, needs an enema. They're just looking to make. <laughs> it sounds like they're just looking to make to remake half of Batman eighty nine with all the humor sucked out. Yeah, which is and I'm giving out free money. I don't want to. Watch and that. where is the Batman? <laughs> He's at home washing his tights. He doesn't wear tights in that movie. <laughs> he wears leather pants. Yeah, but he's taken off his mask. It's time for you to take off yours. Oh god, that's the um, thing. If you want, if you want to watch this movie, if any of you are remotely sort of like, oh, I'm going to watch Scors- Scorsese like Joker gangster movie. If any of you are excited by the idea, go and watch the 1989 Batman, and you'll get everything you want. You'll get everything you want, and it'll also still be a Batman movie. Yeah. Featuring the Joker as opposed to whatever this is going to be. And In if... another life, Leo playing the Joker? Okay. In another circumstance? Cool. Had the Joker not appeared in the DCEU yet, for example? Yeah. Yeah. Especially considering he already has built-in chemistry and work experience with Margot Robbie. Yes. See, yeah. It sounds to me, we said this when we were going through the show notes before, I said to you... This sounds to me like a Warner Brothers exec has basically gone. I've noticed online in all these when people do like top ten who should play the Joker polls in, in over the years. <laughs> I read a website in yeah, in recent ones they've gone like oh oh like Leonardo DiCaprio because in Wolf of Wall Street he's basically sort of playing the Joker if he were a businessman. I was on the MySpace and somebody <laughs> posted a link to an article on this new thing called a blob that, uh... Yeah, I couldn't share it because I was on my Bebo, you see. That, that young whippersnapper, Leonardo DiCaprio, he should go straight into playing the Joker. Wait a second, is he the one who made the flying bicycle and the naked man on the drawing in the circle? Yeah. Okay. I'll I'll think so. That's all Hollywood execs. Pretty much. Old crusty white dudes who have the finger so far off the pulse that you could declare them legally dead. But hey, they're in charge of making movies, so good luck to them, you shits. Um, um, it just sounds like they've got Wolf Wall Street work. We'll get Scorsese and DiCaprio involved and uh, and and do that sort of stuff, you know. 
It's it's a skeleton of a good idea, but, but uh, it, it's it's dead on arrival. But wait, much. but wait, DC aren't the only one making cinematic marketing faux pas. What? Um, Marvel, in their infinite wisdom, decided to put two episodes of network television. On IMAX. Now, 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 to make it clear... <laughs> we haven't seen this yet. If you knew that going into watching The Newmans, I think you'd be a little more braced, but also thinking, why is this in IMAX? A sc- just a normal screen yeah. screening would be would be sufficient. I'm not if it's in IMAX, they must have really pushed the boat out on the opening, and there must be some big-ass visual effects. Mm, not from uh, the accounts that I've read nope. of this of this cinematic presentation... Uh, I think, hmm, so, here's the thing. Nice to meet you, Ben Grimm. I'm, uh, I'm uh, Christopher. Oh, um, go away. So. We're not talking about you because Fox still have the rights. Um, <laughs> okay. So, here, here's, here's the thing. He's up, there he goes, back um, to Yancey Street. Yeah, fuck off you. Um, <laughs> the Inhumans, no matter how much they're trying to make them happen, they ain't happening. The, the Inhumans are never going to happen. No. Now, technically, they have happened. They exist yeah. in the sixties and the seventies, but they've never other. been popular. They, they're not the X Men. And even 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 throwing like really good creative teams and some real clout behind them, as as Marvel have done in the last few years, they're just not. They're not going for it. Like they're not. No. They're not. They're not landing. Which is why, as soon as Ike Perlmutter got his in daft, like, sexist, out-of-touch nose out of Marvel's <laughs> movie business, the Kevin Feige went, yeah, we're not doing that one anymore, and demoted mm. it to TV. Unfortunately, again, having not seen this, only going off the uh, the re- reviews that I've read, which are all from which are from people who I tend to agree with. Yeah. Um, Cite your sources! Unfor- uh, movie Bob and The Weekly Planet. Fair enough. Um, Fair enough. I... Did you grab that gem? I did grab that gem. Did you get um, yourself a loot crate? I grabbed that gem, and I put it in my loot crate. Nice. And then I, um, I, I did another thing. Nice. Did, uh, did you wonder, like, if your handle is Movie Bob, <laughs> where are your movie reviews? Where are movie reviews? Uh, How much longer does he have to tell people that? Oh, oh forever. All the people time. Are stupid. Um, anyway, anyway, anyway. <laughs> Unfortunately, they put Scott Buck in charge of the. Not um, Scott Buck. Who's Scott Buck? In charge of the uh, show. Wait a minute. I think this guy's directed some stuff, hasn't he? He's directed some bits pieces, but he's also been a showrunner for Marvel before. Right, now which show did he run? Oh god, no. The You're f- going to say it, aren't you? The first season of Iron Fist. Oh, Titty Biscuits! <laughs> which was bad. Dog shit? Yeah, it was really yeah. bad. Yeah. Um, so it seems like a lot of the same... <laughs> uh, a lot of the same Approaching problems uh, present in uh, in humans, like a, a poorly defined mythology, uh, no character motivation, unlikable central characters, just you know stuff, asshole, things happening for no reason. And again, from what uh, from what I've heard of it, it seems like there's no reason for it to be on IMAX. I don't know if I'm going to check it out on IMAX because I don't think I want to spend money to see two episodes of television. On a fucking IMAX screen. Fair play. I just don't yeah. want to do that. Now, if it was an, if it was an average screening and like the screening of the two episodes maybe came with the fe- features of some kind or something. Yeah. Like that'd be worth it. That'd be worthwhile. 
maybe like a short, maybe like a Marvel one shot or something. Considering this is set in the Marvel TV universe and everything, like which has Shield and you know Ghost Rider, like a Marvel <laughs> one shot with Ghost Rider, maybe would that'd be, be nice. a selling. That'd be a selling point for me if they were like, come watch the Inhumans, and it's two episodes, and it's preceded by a seven minute Marvel one shot short film about a new little short Ghost Rider story. I'd be like, oh shit, because then you'd also be reminding the general public who don't watch Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., hey guys, Marvel have Ghost Rider back. Oh yes, yes. Y- you may have missed it, because no one's fucking watching the show, but they have Ghost Rider back. Um, <laughs> Hot to- I mean, Hot Toys have now released the Ghost Rider figure based on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Yeah. So you now have physical evidence in the most shallow plastic, solid way imaginable. Ghost Rider's part of the MCU. Ghost Rider Isn't is part of the MCU. Isn't that interesting? Why can't we tell stories about Ghost Rider? Oh, wait. Inhumans? All right. Fair enough. Oh, the thing is, Inhumans, like, the basic premise of the show could be interesting. Game of Thrones on the moon and a bunch of them come down to our world, to, like, to hide. It's not a bad idea, like, really, ga- Like, like yeah. magic, magic Game of Thrones on the moon, royal family hide on Earth. Cool premise, bro. Cool premise, bro. Yeah, I can see the appeal. And there is stuff you could do. Like, you could just do an Inhuman show set entirely within their world. Their, like, is it Atalan? Yeah. You could set it completely within on, their on realm. On the blue area of the moon. Yeah, it's just have a kingdom on the blue area of the moon. Just that, set a that's story That's what Atalan there. is, yeah. yeah but just do a, like a, like a six-episode mini, or a five-episode mini, about basically mutant Game of Thrones on the moon. I'd watch the shit out of that. And then your tag at the end of it is Lockjaw sends one of them to Earth. But in this, apparently, it's all like, oh, there's loads of inhumans on Earth, we better save them so they can come and work in our minds. Yeah, because then Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. cover stuff about the Terrigan Mists and basically prove that, yeah, you don't necessarily get cool superpowers if you are an inhuman. Yeah. You might just be might get slightly odd. Yeah. You're a bit odd. Or you might be a straight-up monster. For God's sake. Or you might turn into a dog if you teleport. I don't know. If, the- I don't know if Lockjaw is a dude who turned into a dog or a dog that underwent telegenesis. I don't know. Doesn't doesn't it say so much? I don't know. Because surely, because th- basically the, the whole Terrigen Mist thing and all that that angle is the plot of um, in uh, in humanity. Yes. Just do that. That's your Inhumans introduction. Do 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 like mean, a two that's... part big ass TV movie, two hour and a half episodes, so three hours total about them learning about the Terrigen Mist Shield shit. Make it a shield crossover to a degree, and just do monsters on Earth. Well, that's the whole reason that. And then cut to Luke Cage in Harlem the whole... beating the crap out of a monster man. The whole reason, and I'll jizz everywhere that they did that. Yeah. In Age of Shield, did... laid the groundwork. No, they don't, I mean, no whole reason they did inhumanity and things like that was to try and... so they could lay the groundwork for them in Shield, yeah. and then lead that into a movie. It's all bit. I mean, all the comics are now really is the kind of marketing for the movies. The reactive, yeah, and 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 um, retroactive, yeah. They're uh, retroactive and also a test bed well, for new ideas. That's perfectly worded. Yeah. I was going to say because, like, over the two thousands, what the comics did was they would do story beats that would um, twin up with the films, yeah. So that when the films came out, if curious punters went to comic book stores, they would see similar stories to what they've just seen in the cinema and pick it up. Which I always thought was a really dumb move. Because, yes, I've just watched Spider-Man fight the lizard. Do I really want to read that again? Mm. Straight away. Now, variant covers maybe. Good idea. Absolutely. Get people hooked and whatnot. But, eh. Whereas they've changed this over the last five or seven years, five or six years, and and made it more like, like you say, they're going, let's see what people think about this. Mm -hmm. Oh, they like it. Okay. Let's do it. 
Let's do it, fam. Is that pretty much you why know. Captain Marvel got a Marvel Now title? Because we're um, just like, let's see if she, if Carol really is popular at the moment enough to hold her own book completely. I think they just need to publish a Mark Captain Marvel title. Does this tie into the whole like quite possibly Captain Marvel Miracle Man but legality stuff? Them... Yeah, because it was around the same time, wasn't yeah. it? As it all being in the air. But then again. it gave yeah. them that opportunity to go, okay, well, let's take this female character who's been like sidelined. And sort of has a big fan base, but and, it's sort of yeah, yeah never and, had and never had her own platform, and it, and it really worked like by all accounts. So mm. um, I like the first story arc. I sort of got a bit bored in the second, but I really like the first story arc. Yeah, and it's, 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 um, it's right there. It's, um, oh, Kelly Sue yeah. Um, um, but it, it's it doesn't preclude them from telling good stories. That's the good thing about the way they're doing it. Mm. Um, DC, on the other hand, is way more divorced from their movie. Which I think, movies. I think any separation um, they can have from the DCEU yes. side of things is probably for the best. But I, from, from what I'm reading at the moment, which is not a great deal, but from the comics I'm reading at the moment, I think this is the first time in a while that I think DC are putting out more consistently good titles every month yeah. than Marvel are. I wouldn't be surprised. So, um, Marvel are doing a lot of gimmicky stuff at the moment. I'm, I'm on the fringes. I'm only really collecting. As the trades coming out now, Amazing Spider-Man, yeah, um, which I'm really enjoying. I'm but, reading Defenders, but like I see, I see Abbott's like Edge of Venomverse, and I'm like, yeah. why, yeah. why, what is they going to do Venomverse? Why? I don't know. Why? Because Spider-Verse. Yeah, but why? Because Spider-Verse. Yeah, but why? I am <laughs> reading Defenders. I'm reading Jessica Jones. How are they going, by the way? They're both really good. Are they both Bendis? Both Bendis. Okay. Um. Getting to play with his baby, basically. Yeah, well, Jessica Jones is Bendis and Gados, so it's the Alias team together again. Oh, I want to reread Alias now. Um, and Defenders is oh, there, um, Bendis and David Marquez. Oh, okay. It's, right. it's a gorgeous looking book. Yeah. Um, and that's kind of all I'm reading from Marvel, actually. Uh, with DC, you're tucking in. Uh, DC, I'm reading Batman. Tucking in, son. But I, I, from, I'm keeping... <laughs> I'm only I'm only regularly Tuck reading in. those three books. Yeah. But... Keeping an eye on everything that's coming out. So, um, yeah. Did you hear that, everybody who keeps doing the whole Marvel shill bullshit? There you go. Yeah, there. I think there's more good. I think DC has done really well with Rebirth, and I think there's more good DC books out there at the moment than Marvel books. Now we're balanced. Now we're balanced. Now um, we're balanced. <laughs> on the subject of DC's quality. <laughs> yeah. um, oh dear, we're going back down. Oh. <laughs> so they're expanding their. Um, their Six Flags attraction with more superhero themed roller coasters. Yeah, now they've they've uh, they've been quite successful. They've got uh, stuff with a bunch of really high end animatronics mm. there. Like they've got a thing called like Escape from Gotham or something they've got like Justice that. Justice League: Battle for Metropolis. That's the one I'm thinking of. Yeah, because yeah. I've seen I've seen they had a, a cyborg and a um, Joker animatronic that were made by mm-hmm. this company that are really really high end and creepy looking. Um, and yeah, like kind of, like kind of funky. But obviously, with Justice League coming out toward the end of this year, don't know if you noticed, all the toys are already everywhere. Oh yes, and we, we no one's freaking them, buying yeah. them yet because they don't know what any of the characters are like. And also, the characters sound ridiculous. Check our Twitter for a video. Yes, but um, yeah, it's, it's I that. bring justice from the deep. Oh god. Um, but the, there's that. So perfect time to like expand and be like hey guys we know yeah. that we know that we know like you know we're not disney and, and universal we're not like the submersive parks we're the ones with just really cool thrill rides thrill but, rides is is the, i think yeah. thrill rides is in this article at least three times but like they've got you know you and know star, star wars land's going to be open up and disney and everything and disney uh in california the hollywood uh 
California Adventure is starting to expand a bit more. It's going to basically become like Marvel Land in one section and everything. They've got the Guardians ride. But hey, who's excited for Justice League, Mother Truckers? Cool, because we got an announcement for you. Coming. Oh. Late spring 2018. Oh, man. Six Flags Great Adventure in Jackson, New Jersey. New Jersey. New Jersey. Cyborg Cyberspin. <gasps> what? Cyborg Cyberspin. Is planned to take riders as high as 70 feet in the air in an over-the-shoulder harness grouped at 24 per vehicle. Wait. Sorry. Sorry, I, I thought I misheard you there. Um, well, it's a Wonder Woman ride, right? Six Flags leads the industry in thrill-ride innovation. It is part of our DNA, said Neil Thurman, Six Flags Park president. Cool. Uh, flash, Six Flags flash Great ride Adventure is really home to an unparalleled ride. collection of record-breaking attractions, and we are excited to be adding Cyborg Cyberspin, oh. the first of its kind in North America. Cool, like a Batman oh. Dark ride, yeah? Like the superhero Cyborg of the Justice League, oh, Jesus this Christ. futuristic high-tech oh, ride will be unlike anything our guests have ever seen experience before like an Aquaman under the sea thing would be amazing perfect new thrill ride to expand our new metropolis section they are really banking on people giving a shit about cyborg they really want people to like cyborg right bit of background uh if you're talking to me about the teen titans cartoon cyborg the, the 2000s cartoon I'm all there love him absolutely love him booyah all day absolutely love him any other medium I find that character nauseatingly dull. Yes. And he's never made exciting. They just, I think DC, even if all the material leading up to Justice League, it's almost like they're relying on you just being amazed at a half man, half robot. Yeah. Like, that's all it takes for you to be like, oh my god, it's like, well, yeah, more like Iron a- Man's a man in a robot. This guy is half robot. More like a one-fifth man. Yeah. Oh Four-fifths robot. They're, they're banking on everybody just being blown away by that alone. Here's the thing, right? I get that the Justice League needs to be more diverse. Absolutely. Absolutely. I agree. Absolutely. Cyborg, Cyborg is fucking dull. Yeah. Like, bring in John Stewart yeah. Green Lantern, bring in Jessica Cruz Green Lantern, yeah. bring in, I don't know, just make up some new heroes, bring in Black Lightning, who gives a fuck? Like, Cyborg is dull, man. It's really boring. <laughs> I mean, make him more like the Titans cartoon, even. Just make him like that. You know what I really hope happens? He's a dude who's been hacked to pieces violently. And, like, you know, it's like is in this machine thing. And it, it's horrific. I mean, the first time we meet him in the DCEU is half his torso screaming in a freaking zip file. Like, all you need to do is just make it so that he, he's not grimdark and, and horrible and bored and, and cold. You know what I really... Make him fun. You know what I really hope happens? Go on. I really hope that we go to see Justice League. <laughs> yeah. And we come out of it and go, you know what? I thought Cyborg was really cool in that. I thought they did some really interesting stuff with him. And I think... That movie was gash, but Cyborg, he was pretty cool. And I think they've made him a really (laughs) interesting character. That's what I hope happens. It's not gonna happen. But we'll see. But he's getting his own ride. I just um, that's, that's like that's like saying, guys, we're opening up the brand new Avengers section at Disneyland's California Adventure. We've already got, as you know, Guardians of the Galaxy Mission Breakout, and outside the ride, I don't know if you know about this, outside the ride, in one of the flower beds, there is like a, a massive metallic hatch to what looks like an underground passage with the Avengers A emblazoned on it. Mm-hmm. And people were like, what's that about? And then some people realised that the first time you see that, unless you walk over to that flower bed is when you're exiting Guardians Mission Breakout. It's an it's a closing credit scene. 
<laughs> it's there to tease that more is coming. And they have announced, yep, more is coming. Disneyland's California Adventure is going to get an expansion in the near future based around the properties of Marvel heroes. This would be like them saying, yes. guys and gals. Yes. Guys and gals, we've already got Guardians. Like These guys have already got the, um, what's it? Metropolis thing. Yeah. Guys and gals, we've got Guardians Mission Breakout. Coming up next, we have Malekith's face painting booth. Yeah. <laughs> Come on over. You want to look like a dark elf? We'll make you look like half one. Come on over. You've hey. got the inhuman you can, you can, experience. You can pose next to a cardboard cutout of Curse. <laughs> It'll be great. Come on over. Um, it's just like Cyborg, really? Now, if it was a Teen Titans ride and Cyborg was part of the makeup of it in terms of the tech, do you know what I mean? If they made it a Teen Titans, you're at least banking on nostalgia for the teens who grew up watching the cartoon. Yeah. The adults who grew up reading the comics in the 80s and 90s particularly. And the people who desperately, desperately want there to be more Titans-based stuff, like Young Justice. And also the tiny kids who like Teen Titans Go. Like, you could bank on an audience. That way, you get Cyborg, and you can make him front and centre for the ride. Absolutely. Yeah. But you also make sure you get Beast Boy, Raven, Starfire, and Robin in there, and people will be off their tits on happiness. Cyborg the right. Oh, God. Well, I mean... Hey, Matt, we've got some exciting new ice cream flavours. We've got vanilla and honeycomb. <laughs> yeah, you have vanilla and honeycomb? Love vanilla we've and We've got honeycomb. tropical fruits. Loved... Ooh, we've yeah, got okay, mint okay. choc chip. Ooh. Hey, we've got rum and raisin. And oh, just for you, raisin, yeah. just for you, bit of bird shit. Drop a bit of bird shit. Cheers. Drop some bird shit ice cream. Thanks. Drop some bird shit ice cream, Matt. Yeah. We're making a bird shit ice cream emporium. Uh, would you like Would you like it? Uh, would you like the bird shit mm. ice cream emporium? Uh, Let's do it. Uh, Cyborg the Ride, coming to Six Flags, late uh, spring 2018. Okay. Um, I mean, if you want some more Titan stuff, you are in luck. Oh, oh, be still my beating turn. Because as I we've mentioned this before, but Ooh. there is a Greg Belante, Jeff Johns produced live action Titan series in the works. Yeah, now, this isn't part of the CW series. It's going to be it? it's, on it's... DC's proprietary streaming app in 2018. Oh, 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 oh. So, not so no one's going to watch it. Not Warner Brothers. No one's going to watch it. DC. No one's going to watch it. Getting their own private streaming app. They're not doing. They're not doing the Marvel Comics Unlimited, Unlimited um, competitor. No. And often the comics for streaming, which is probably what DC fans would desperately love to have access yeah. to. But no, they're they're, they're doing the. Uh, they're doing the, uh, the TV streaming thing because everyone wants to get seven ninety nine to death. Oh god. Um, but seven ninety nine. Oh god, no, not again. Seven ninety nine. Please, no. Seven ninety nine. Death of a thousand cuts. They have already cast um, <laughs> Starfire and Raven. Oh, I. Yeah. So we're getting. Um, oh yeah, I believe we brought this up a while ago. Tegan Croft as Raven, who I don't think I've seen in anything. She's got exactly three credits. One of them is Titans. Pull she's, in home yeah. and, she's been home and away, and she's in something called the Osiris Child, whatever that is. I don't know. <gasps> Not the Osiris um, Child. That's my favorite thing I just no heard of. Is. Um, Anna Diop is playing. Uh, Not Starfire. Anna Diop. Anna Diop. <laughs> Again, I don't know what she's from. What she's been in. She's got a lot more credits. She's got eighteen credits. Holy Have shit! Have seen nuggets. any of these things that she's in? Uh, I don't believe I have. So, so we've got Raven and Starfire. Raven and Starfire. Um, Have we got a Beast Boy? We've not got a Beast Boy. Yeah, we won't get a Beast Boy, because that'll cost money. No. I'll tell you that for now. We... We'll have a toned-down cyborg. We won't, probably won't it'll have get like a cyborg. A, it'll have like a USB jack and a pair of red sunglasses. We probably won't get a cyborg. 
No, we will, but it'll be heavily disguised. They'll have like a hologram to make him look humanoid. <laughs> but no, seriously, they'll come up with some bullshit like that. Oh, God. They'll be like, he's got a hologram around him, like a veil, so he just looks like... like no, Ray, what's the character called? Ray... Victor. Uh, the Victor, Victor Stone. Yeah, Ray something's the actress and who plays Ray Fisher. That's it, yeah. So he'll have a hologram so he looks like Victor Stone. It'll be based on like photographs and video footage of him from before everything happened to him. Yeah. So he'll look like that, but occasionally they'll do like something with his hand. He'll have like a prop that looks cybernetic. Guaranteed that's how they'll do it. They are not going to put him in there. I think they will. Because there'll be a thing of like... I think they will. Because the movie, the movie people will be like, nah, we're not putting him in there. He's in the movies. You can't have him. But this is Belanti. Who managed to get Superman into Supergirl. That's true. So, and Flash still is the header of his That's own TV true. show. It's possible. That's true. It's possible. Um, He'll find a way. He'll find a way. It'll be, Cyborg might be like a storyline. He might be in a story. Well, it? it doesn't matter. Oh? Because it's not out yet. Oh. But but have they at least have they at least attempted to cast the most important member of the Teen Titans? The leader of the Teen Titans? Have they titillated us with some Titans? They have cast... What the balls? Dick Grayson. Oh, God. Slash Nightwing. Uh, di- oh, okay. Cool. Um, cool. And it's... Takes a step back for the movie option then, I suppose. Brenton Thwaites. <gasps> Who? He's Henry Turner in Pirates of the Caribbean, Dead Men Tell No Tales. Oh! Who? <laughs> is this... He's, is, 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 he's is Will it, Turner's son in Pirates 5. The one in the main story and not the kid in the flashback at the beginning. He's, he's Will Turner's son. I suppose Nightwing, he's going to be in his 20s, isn't he? Yeah. Okay. You've so, seen so Pirates not to, 5. Yeah. I haven't seen Pirates I 5. I think they've only cast him. He's Will Turner's son. I think they've only cast him because he has a sweet ponytail like the 90s. Well, <laughs> apparently they're saying that the main... He's alright. He's okay. He's serviceable from based on that movie. He's been cast as Nightwing. Yes. So the main cast is going to be who? Like, what were the main characters that they said? Or? Uh, as far as you know, it's it's Nightwing, Starfire, and Raven. So I don't know. I don't think they'll is be. Is this DC's direct streaming app, or is this a porn parody? Nah, mm, just saying. Softcore porn parody. Probably. I mean, it depends what design they always for Starfire. Tit Titans. Um, interesting thing is, is that apparently, <laughs> don't lie, it's not interesting. The <laughs> shut up. <laughs> Apparently, the main thrust of the plot is going to be about. I told you it was a porn parody. It's going to be about Dick Grayson's um, oh, oh, Dick, transition. Yeah. Oh, oh, from... oh, it's got spicier. Next topic. No, go on, go on. Um, so transition sorry. from so Robin to Nightwing. Oh, and learning how to be his own dude, and stepping out from under the shadow of his protege. Shadow of the bat. Of his protege, stepping out from being. The protege, protege of yeah. Batman. Well, they're going to have yeah. to reference Batman outright. Then you can't have Dick Grayson Nightwing. Without Oh Batman. shit! If this is if this is a legitimate part of the Balantiverse, though, if they do find a way to be like, okay, sod it, it is part of the CW universe, then that means Batman is finally freaking confirmed. Aside from like the occasional mention of, oh god, there's that stuff going on in Gotham. People saying there's a big monster or something like that. It's like, <laughs> uh, this is why we left Gotham. Oh, Harley Quinn and Arrow. And so that means that the Joker must exist in the Balanti universe. Then there must be Batman. Okay, are we ever gonna reference? No, cool, no. Do you know what? Do you know how the Blantyverse should end? Because it's for the movie. Do you know how the Blantyverse should end? Within the next couple of years, with one big final crossover event, like one last episode of Arrow, like have, have, have each of the shows have a last episode. Yeah. And then have one more episode that's not, you know, part of their main story. It's like a, an epilogue. And based yeah. on which characters are alive, like, I'm assuming Oliver Queen's probably going to die because that's the way that show goes, isn't it? Drama and oh, stuff. Yeah. But like, they have one more 
episode per show that you have, mm. but do the cross the yearly crossover thing and have it so that it freaking well ends with a storyline involving Wonder Woman, Superman, and Batman. Just the Trinity. It. Just do it, and then end it with like a, oh my god, we all worked together really well. Yes, we did. What's next? And then just end it there. Just leave it there. Leave us with a great big cock tease blue ball syndrome of, oh my god, this, this would have been the Justice League we actually want to see, mm. and we're never going to see it because we know they can't afford it, and then one of us will give up and just finance a movie based on that instead, and we'll all be happy. Finally. Oh god, like what? Like in terms of everything? In no. The universe. Next topic. Uh, oh, thank god. <laughs> oh, thank god. Um, oh, shit. Final loose bit. Um, <laughs> another, another surprise addition to the cast of the Han Solo movie. Paul Bettany's in it. What the dickens? Which was uh, announced by Ron Howard tweeting out a photo of him and Paul Bettany on set going, oh, it's Paul Bettany. Oh, hey everyone. Paul Bettany's here. Here on Monday, Tuesday. Uh, happy days. So, yeah. Wednesday. Thursday. I don't know how, I don't know how Happy much, days. I don't know how more of that movie that, shut up. I don't know how more of that movie they've got a film. Cause. <laughs> um, Donald, Donald Glover's wrapped on it, so they must be. What, what, he, uh, literally. I'm trying to remember the name of his rap alter ego. You can't see the face that I'm making. But they if can, you're listening to this. They can hear it. But I'm you sure can hear you can the hear face. the disdain in my voice. What's his rapper alter ego called? I don't know! He doesn't have a rapper alter he does, ego! He does. He's, he's a character. He's a, he's a character. He's rapped for years as someone else under that name. It's You're gonna annoy to me. Annoy me. No, it's true, it's true, it's I true. I don't believe you! It's true, it's true, it's true, it's true. It's What's not he called? True. Uh, da, 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 his name is. It's Childish Gambino! Oh, fine. Childish Gambino. Oh, shit. Right. Um, anyway, okay. Sorry, he's wrapped on that yeah. movie. Uh, oh, so... has he? Childish Lando. I am Corazian. going to pull your fucking lungs out. <laughs> Can anyone tell him just after a cheap operation? I thought it'd be easier <laughs> to just threaten Matt. <laughs> I need a transplant. <laughs> I haven't got a spare pair, so you're going to be shit out of luck. Oh, <laughs> shit out of lungs. Um, <laughs> Which is a very painful way to, <laughs> to shit, it's really. It's a painful way to go. Um... <laughs> It's like the missing filtration. The food just goes in and immediately becomes feces. It only takes a minute, girl, <laughs> to buff along, to oh. buff along. Um, Morrison's bag's under the floorboards <laughs> for all the sick. Anyway, uh, okay. Paul Bettany's <laughs> in Han Solo. That movie must be getting to the end of its shooting because uh, Donald Glover's wrapped on it and he's Lando, so I'm assuming he's a decent sized <laughs> part of the movie. Um, Ron Howard is being very open with it, so... Yeah, but however, though, he's not being open in the sense of giving away stuff. No, but he's got that sort of J.J. Abrams thing of, like, here's a tease, here's a tease. I do tease. wonder if um, the like Kathleen Kennedy and, and the Lucasfilm sort of um, brain trust at Disney, like, are, like, their anuses are clenching every time Ron Howard posts on social media. I think, they, if anything, it's them, they might have given him a nudge and said, hey, Ron, need to do a bit of damage control. Hey, Ron, to show goodwill and that everything's yeah. great. Give away some information. I think people are worried about this movie. I am, especially, I especially am, after yeah. you know people have people have turned on Rogue One since release. Mm. I still hold it; it's pretty good fun. I think, um, it's, I think it's I think it's fine, and it's a very well made movie. That's kind of that's kind of my it's okay feelings. for a movie in this kind of franchise to be just fine. Yeah, you know, I don't think. I think the episodes. That seagull to be... agreed with you. That's, I, don't that's I, picked, I, I don't know if I picked one on the mic, but it was very loud. It wasn't enough for someone's lunch. Um, <laughs> Oh yeah. my god, that's my child! Yeah. <laughs> um, 
But I think I'll get a new one. I think the episodes have to be the best at a game. But yeah. I think these these spin-off anthology movies, they're just kind of filling out the universe as well as putting money in the pocket. I mean, their main purpose is putting money in the pocket, isn't mm. it? But it gives them an opportunity to fill out the universe and, and keep the fans tied over. And I think that it's okay for those movies to be fine, just like it's okay for, for The Dark World to be fine, mm. because yeah. it is fine. <laughs> it's not great. I'll say it's this. Th- fine. This broke after we recorded last week, and it, it comes under this umbrella. What broke? Uh, the Obi-Wan movie has all been... All, all, all confirmed been, uh, yeah. now. Yeah. Um, are we hoping that it at least has you and McGregor in it? It's going to have you and McGregor. I hope it has you and McGregor in it. If they, and do I hope it, it is set very shortly after Revenge of the Sith. If it's anything, what they'll probably do is do what the Marvel comics have been doing and have mm. stories of him like trying to not be a Jedi but not being able well, to help. My worry do is that they'll. My worry is they'll take it off world, which kind of defies the point of him being yeah. in hiding. So it needs to be a. It needs to yeah. be a smaller story. Um, and they need to... I mean, the Star Wars stuff's gorgeous. The Star Wars Marvel Comics run because yeah. like, the artist has made has made a very conscious effort to... Because it's set while Luke's like 10, 11, isn't it? it? Is, there's different so it's, stories it's about, from different periods. It, oh yeah, the, the, the first one's set when he's quite young. Yeah, yeah. That's the one I've read. Because it's set like 10 years into Obi-Wan's exile. Yeah. Um, and they, t- they took a great effort to make their Obi-Wan look... Like the love child of Alec Guinness and Ewan McGregor. It's Ewan McGregor turning into Alec Guinness. It's beautifully done, and and uh, like Ewan is obviously older now, like, but he's not believably ten years younger than Alec Guinness is in Thingy. So you'll have to take a bit of liberties. It's also space, so aging could work different for all we know. I mean, Yoda's nine hundred years old. Well, it could. I mean, aging could work differently. It's not Lord of the Rings logic where everybody. Sort of ages at a third of the rate. I would imagine like Tatooine just makes you older because it's a fucking rough planet. Yeah. Oh, that's what you need to show. You need to yeah. show him trying to be completely quiet about it and just being put through utter shit. Like life is crap. I don't. I don't imagine he would hermit in a cave immediately. I think that would be something he, he has to hermit do. in a cave. He's got a house. Oh no, no. But I mean, like he's out. He's out in the middle of nowhere, like quietly tucked away. Yeah. I would imagine that, like this. this if you're going to tell a story like that, tell a story where maybe like. He's not gone that far away because he's so tempted to still do something, to still yeah. help in some way, and that like this is the story that sort of forces him to go like, no, I need to be quiet for the sake of everything, for the sake of the for the balance of the force. Oh. Like he, he must get the indication that maybe Luke Skywalker, when he grows older, might be the one predicted to bring balance to the force and all that shit. Either way, get Jimmy Smith in it as well. <laughs> Why not? Just have Bail Organa pop along and be like, hey, I've. I've Hello. now I've now been in as many good Star Wars movies as I have terrible. This is great. Hello, I'm 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 Bella. Um, it's, it's Jimmy Smith. Yes. Uh, so yeah. Um, why does your Bela Gana sound like a, a, a nervous Irish gentleman? Oh, Bela Gana, no, sweet. That's sort of I'm feeling a little bit shaken. Racial profiling. Um, <laughs> right, Chris, you've maybe put this on the topic list. Mm. I don't know what it is, so it better be good. What's Dear David? Oh, I thought you were referring to the lump that I want you to feel for me. No. Um, Okay. So there is an artist online called Adam Ellis. Does a lot of comics for BuzzFeed. Okay. What I'm going to do is I'll show you you an image and you'll probably recognise his art style. That's him. Oh, yes. I've seen those. They get passed around the interwebs quite a bit. Yes, 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 yes. yes, Very adorable. Um, Adam started tweeting about a month ago. Yes. I'm just going to read his tweets verbatim. Now, just a pre-warning. Anybody with a genuinely nervous disposition who doesn't like things sticking in their head that will creep them out for days after, skip ahead. 
to All right, the well, next I'm going to skip post. ahead. All right. Cool. Well, I'm still going to tell you. It's a lie. I don't have that kind of description. I'm going to lie back, and I'm going to let them wash over me. Now, the reason I'm bringing this up, I'm, I'm just going to read the story out verbatim, because I read this, a good portion of the internet have got wind of this and started reading it, but I just wanted to spread it further, because whether you believe in supernatural stuff or not, I myself am mostly a skeptic. Although I'm open to stuff because I like the idea of storytelling. I'm also, I'm almost entirely sceptical because I'm a miserable bastard. Well, whether you believe this is fake or real, it's fascinating storytelling all the same. Alright. Adam Ellis, comic book artist, tweeted on the 7th of August. So, my apartment is currently being haunted by the ghost of a dead child and he's trying to kill me. He started appearing in dreams, but I think he's crossed over into the real world now. The first time I saw him, I was experiencing sleep paralysis and saw a child sitting in the green rocking chair at the foot of my bed. He had a huge misshapen head that was dented to one side. I did my best to draw him. So he did a sketch in his style. So I'll show you roughly what the kid looks like. Ugh. Pretty pretty gruesome. Pretty pretty, gruesome. Unfo- pretty sad. Looks pretty, looks like a kid who's undergone horrible accident. Looks surly. For a while, he just stared at me. But then, he got out of the chair and started shambling towards the bed. I couldn't move because I was paralysed. I have sleep paralysis fairly often. It sucks. Right before he reached my bed, I woke up screaming. I had another dream a few nights later where I was in a library, and a girl came up to me and said, You've seen dear David, haven't you? I was like, Who? She said, Dear David, you saw him. She continued, He's dead. He only appears at midnight, and you can ask him two questions if you say Dear David first. Then she added, but never try to ask him a third question, or he'll kill you. Then David came back in another dream. Same situation, I was in bed, he was sitting in the rocking chair near the window, staring at me. In the dream, I said, Dear David, how did you die? He mumbled, an accident in a store. I say, Dear David, what happened in the store? He groaned. A shelf was pushed on my head. I'm frozen with fear. I ask, Who pushed the shelf? David doesn't answer. I'm frozen with fear. I read the same one. I realise that I've asked a third question, which I'm not supposed to do. At that point, I wake up absolutely terrified. The next couple of days, I googled deaths in the city. I can't find anything about a kid named David dying in a store. I even try different names. Daniel, Dylan, Devon. Nothing. A few weeks go by without incident. Sort of randomly, the apartment above mine is vacated, and I've got the opportunity to move into it. It's a larger apartment, so I'm thrilled. Another month or two goes by, and I sort of forget about dear David. I think he's lost track of me because I moved upstairs. But lately, something strange is happening. For the past four nights, my cats gather at the front door at exactly midnight and just stare at it. Like something is on the other side. And he posted a picture of, indeed, his two cats looking under the door, perched in front of it. Last night I got a weird feeling and looked out of the peephole. And I'm dead certain I saw movement on the other side. When I opened the door and turned on the whole light... Nothing was there, but my cats seemed unnerved, bushy tails, etc. And that's where I am right now. Dear David found me, I think. I don't know what to do. I'll keep you updated. 
So that was on the 7th of August. Last month. Pretty chilling, right? That's, oh, that's kind of creepy. Like, mysterious kid dies in a store, sits at the foot of his bed. Weird girl in a library in another dream says, like, huh? Then August the 9th rolled around. Update. For the sixth night in a row, my cat has walked over to the door promptly at midnight and stared at it. There's more photo of the cat just sat there. Update. What is going on? So there's just footage. So I won't play it now in case the audio bleeds in. But just footage of the cat just sat there and occasionally it meows at the door. Just sat there. Staring. I couldn't tell, so I mustered the courage to open the door. Nothing was out there, but I took another photo. Look at this. So what he did was he took a photo through the peephole and then of the hallway itself. Now the photo through the peephole, kind of blurry. Yeah, it's the weird little circle thing. But he says, is it just me, or is there something in the first photo right where the banister meets the shelves, hiding on the stairs? So that's the view through his peephole, mm -hmm. and that's the view of the landing with the door open, yeah? Mm -hmm. So this area, that area there, a weird blur. Now, he does admit, you know, like, what's to say this is not, um, you know, uh, a Ujima flip. Photographic artifact. Yeah, well, or the smudge on the on the peephole yeah, at the door. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I wasn't sure if it was a smudge, so I took a second photo from inside. There was something out there. Because there's the first photo, and the second photo... The smudges moved out. Now, again, you look at the two, they could just be smudges on the thing, yeah. the way the light's catching them. But undeniably, they do look like a shape. And it is a bit darker there than it is in that one. Fair enough. All well, all good and spooky. Cool ghost story. Yeah. I deadbolted the lock and I got in bed because I don't know what else to do. I can still hear my cat meowing at the door. Later that night. I'm pretty scared. Photo of the cat. The lights are off in the apartment. It's still sat at his door. Pretty freaky, right? Yeah. Pretty freaky. August the 11th. I used a sound app to record my apartment last night. It makes individual recordings each time it hears something. There were 33 recordings. Most of them are pretty vague. A couple of them are passing cars and the like. But there are three that I'm interested in. The first is a snapping sound and what seems to be like a single step, which is odd, because I didn't get out of bed last night. Okay. Yeah, it's just slight noise. That's a track play. Um, <laughs> this one is weird, because out of 33 recordings, this is the only one that has a strange electrical sound throughout. So a little sample of that. Very faint. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's nothing too loud, just like a little sort of static noise, but it's the only one of the 33 recordings that had it. This directly follows the static, another snap, and then I groan in my sleep. There it then, so it's like, and then, simple as that. Right. These happened between 2 and 3 a.m. I've got no explanations for them, but I'll keep recording and share if I find anything curious. So nothing too big there, but it is odd. That one of them are static, and the other did the others didn't. Yeah, and there's these snapping noises. It could just be like maybe his maybe his fingernails have hit the floor, or you know, like maybe the cat has moved something in the other room. Yeah, like there's a number of explanations. 
He then tweeted, uh, day after, getting the F out of my haunted apartment for the weekend. Picture of himself, giving peace sign to the camera, <laughs> off he pops on an adventure. Yeah? Someone replied with, he's there, and circled these blotches and smudges <laughs> on the window. Now, there's a door with windows behind him, and again, trick of the light, smudges on the glass, something behind it. But if you do look at it, it does kind of have a bit of a structure to it. Mouth, nose. Eyes, head. There's a name for the eyes. The way humans see faces. Yeah, and the, the way that, like, if a dressing gown on the back of a door at night, yeah, yeah. you think that it's a person because, because you the look, way the brain yeah, works, you look it look familiar shapes. It looks at familiar shapes. It's not your brain trying to scare you; it's your brain trying to comfort you. Yeah. But because, of course, you're in a dark environment, your your immediate thought is, "Oh my god, there's someone in the room." Yeah. Not, oh yay, it's a person. Ooh. So you know, but th- there is a bit of a. Can you see it? So a bit of a shit. There's a mouth. There's a nose. Eye. Eye. It's a hunched little boy floating somewhere. Kind of creepy. The next day, so a weird thing just happened. Take it with a grain of salt. I bought a Polaroid camera this weekend, and this is where I started to go, this is a story. Yeah. But still, because they're fun and dorky, I decided to take a few photos around my apartment. Photo of his Polaroid camera. Pretty sweet piece of uh, early 90s swag there. Yeah, yeah, I like some Polaroids. Then I went to the hallway and snapped a photo. The Polaroid developed completely black. I also thought maybe I accidentally covered the lens with my finger, so I took a photo whilst covering it. The photo on the left is me covering the lens with my finger. The one on the right is my fully lit hallway taken just after midnight. For those listening along at home, the photo on the left looks sort of like when you've got something across the lens. A bit of light in the sides, you know, a bit of texture. Hmm. Not entirely black. The one on the right, which was apparently the hallway taken after midnight, with the lights on, need I remind you, is jet black. So... That's freaky. This could be nothing. I'm not sure what to make of it. I'll record myself sleeping again tonight. And I have Sage being delivered tomorrow. Because people were recommending you buy Sage. Okay. As always, I'll keep you in the loop. I'll record myself sleeping again. And I have Sage being delivered tomorrow. Uh, okay, one last thing I wanted to double check. Here's a couple of videos of me taking photos. Right? So just to basically prove how he's using the camera. Yeah, yeah. And pretty straightforward. Here's here's a video. Let's have a quick look at this. There we go. Okay, here's my living room. There we go. Straightforward. Oh, that's like an early 2000s Polaroid, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Oh. Modern Polaroid. I've got a couple of those. So there we go. Check your little video there. Show you how he's using it. Mm-hmm. Um, then a photo of the hallway. So here's him taking a photo of the infamous... Hallway. Okay. It's quite a long one, so I'll skip ahead a little bit to the important part. So there he is, lifts the camera. Takes a photo. The flash, it's a fully lit hallway. Yeah? He's taking it with the flash. Here's the photo. Here's the photo. Here's the photo. There is nothing in that photo. That photo is black. There's got to be a, a bit, switch it's a, or an edit in there. Maybe, maybe, but all the same, that's pretty spooky. Yeah, it's, it's pretty cool, yeah. It came out completely, so this is it fully developed. Yeah. For a second time. Honestly, I don't know why I'm still fucking around with this camera. There might be a logical explanation. Someone told me to take photos from further away, so I tried it once. Once with my iPhone, and once with the Polaroid. The left picture is the picture taken with my iPhone. The picture on the right is the one with the Polaroid. The hallway light was on both times. Now, in this photo, you can see his living room, yep. the hallway door open leading into the hallway outside his apartment, 
the light's on, there's the banister, there's the sign on the wall, there's the shelf, and on the right is the Polaroid photo from the same angle, but I'll be a bit wider. That hallway's pitch black. Mm-hmm. That is a pitch black hallway. Mm-hmm. That is not how depth of field works when you're taking photographs when things are lit. Mm-hmm. That is not how that works. So, apparently, this is three more days later, August 17th, strange faces have been showing up in some of the photos I take. A couple of people have pointed this out, which I don't have a real explanation for. So that's the original picture of him showing the two Polaroids from the start of his Polaroid adventure. Yeah? Yeah. And just above that one, is a face. Now, he owns two cats. I'm looking at that picture and thinking that's a cat. Yeah, probably. That looks like it could be a cat. But if you've forgotten about the cats, and if that is a blank surface and not a shelf, although that bit of something there suggests it might be, yeah. that does look like a little face. It's pretty neat. Pretty freaky. Pretty there neat. we go. So it's not in the photograph. It's in the photograph he took of the photographs. So, whatever. Adam took the advice of many and ordered sage. Folks have been urging me to get some sage, so I did. So he's burning sage, walking around his apartment, having the smell, because apparently, you know, it's a very, yeah, yeah. A very common um, suggestion if you're having hauntings is to, like, have the, the fumes of sage and whatnot wafting throughout the, the property. Apparently mm-hmm. it wards off evil spirits, blah, 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 blah. Saging the hallway and definitely saging the hell out of this rocking chair. Mm-hmm. Now, this is the bit that made me go... Oh, that is spooky. Because at no point had he mentioned that he has a green rocking chair. Just that dear David was sat in a green rocking chair in the dreams. He's got a green rocking chair. He said it's the green rocking chair. The green rocking chair at the end of my bed, not a green rocking chair. Oh, okay, fair play. But here it is in his living room. He's yeah. moved it in the living room, which I think there are tweets elsewhere where he says that he's moved it around. Yeah. But there he is, like, saging the shit out of places. Sage does not work, he said this a couple days uh, before the camera tweets. I haven't dreamt about David in a few months, but he appeared again last night. In the dream, my bedroom was filled with hazy smoke. So obviously he's been saging everywhere, he's probably thinking about that. But I could see David sitting in the chair across the room. He was smaller this time. Almost shrunken. He didn't do or say anything except look at me. Anyway, it feels like a bad omen. We skipped to the 21st of August, a week later. I had a dream that night where David was dragging me by the arm through an abandoned warehouse. I'm not sure why I didn't fight back in the dream or how he was strong enough to pull me, but that's dream logic for you. It was a creepy dream, but I didn't think much of it when I woke up. I took a shower, and then I noticed something. I'd woken up with a huge bruise on my arm. And there's the photo, his forearm is bruised. Round about where someone would possibly grab you round the wrist. Yeah. Now, look, maybe I injured myself the day before, my arm was hurting during the night, it manifested as a dream. There could be a totally logical explanation for it, so I brushed it off and I went to get coffee, which I do every weekend. So it goes down the street, yeah? When I walk, to the, when I walk to the coffee place, I always pass a food cart repair depot. It's always incredibly busy, especially on weekends. I've lived in the neighbourhood for over four years, and the place has always been jam-packed with carts getting serviced. But today... It was completely abandoned. The whole warehouse was totally gutted and empty. He's taken two photos of the shutter that presumably is usually open, people coming in and out. So he's peered in, taking a photo of the completely empty space. Well, almost empty. I went inside to look around because I was astonished that this place was suddenly empty after all these years. Basically, the only thing in the entire warehouse was a single green chair. Mm-hmm. Now, this is a chair with dark green legs in the back, mm-hmm. and aside from like the ladders in the background of the warehouse, it is indeed the only damn thing just sat there that looks out of place. 
doesn't look like part of the warehouse tapped. If you recall, David first appeared in my green rocking chair. It could be nothing, but it's weird that this was the only thing left behind. Here. This is a creepy story, right? Here. It hasn't finished. Oh no. On the 26th of August, my entire call history for the past week looks like this. It's a bunch of no-caller IDs. You'll notice that I answered only once yesterday. Yeah? It's a load of caller caller IDs, a couple days worth. Yeah. Since this has been happening for days on end, I thought that it might be an automated telemarketer or something. Yeah? Instead, what I heard on the other end, this is the one time we picked up, was a peculiar electrical static sound very similar to the static my sleep app picked up the other night. After about a minute, the static stopped and there was silence. I kept listening. I heard what I thought was breathing, but it was so faint that I can't be sure. My heart was racing, so it was hard to hear. Then, just as I was about to hang up, I heard a very small voice whisper, Hello. Something about the way they said hello freaked me out. It wasn't a question or a greeting, just hello. A flat statement. So quiet I could barely hear it. I panicked and hung up. I didn't know what else to do. I closed all the curtains in my apartment and turned on every single light. I watched the TV until dawn because I was too scared to go to sleep. I sort of feel like I'm losing my mind. If I look at each individual incident on its own, there are perfectly logical explanations for everything. But after three weeks of weird shit happening, I don't know how to make sense of it all. The only thing I feel like I can do right now is write everything down. So that's what I'm doing, and that's what I'll keep doing. He's got a point. Like, you look at each individual thing, and you're like, yeah, yeah I mean, it could be this, it could be that. But it's the consistency of them since the cat started looking at the door three weeks ago. That's the freaky part. Meow. We have a video. So I moved the green chair out of the bedroom weeks ago. It's been in various parts of the living room ever since. I should probably get rid of it, but I'm not sure it would have any effect. Also, I'm going on vacation to Japan in three weeks, and I keep thinking if I take my trip, this will all end as dumb as that sounds. David lost track of me once when I moved, so maybe if he believes I've left the apartment again... He'll leave me alone. Anyway, last week I bought a pet monitoring camera so I can keep an eye on the cats whilst I'm overseas. It's basically a nanny cam that connects to the Wi-Fi so you can check in whenever you want. It runs 24-7. It also alerts you to sound and moment, uh, movement via an app. I blacked out the company since I doubt they want to be associated with ghosts. So he showed the notifications he got when he tested it. Motion detection from... Sound detection from... In any event, I decided to test it out this weekend as I was away from home one night so I set the camera up before I left. My phone pinged periodically throughout the evening, alerting me to the cats running around and playing. Normal stuff. Then, around 11, it alerted me again that it detected motion. But when I checked the feed of my apartment, I didn't see anything. So I watched the feed again. Still nothing. I watched it a third time and finally noticed something. Watch the chair. So here's the video. It's currently facing... Wall of his apartment, near the door, there's the TV, there's the door to the hallway, mm-hmm. and there's the green rocking chair. As you can see, about mm-hmm. 10 seconds in, it starts to move. Rocks briefly, no cats nearby, and then it stops. 
and there's another 30 seconds of nothing. That's... Pretty freaky, right? Yeah. Pretty freaky. No yeah. cats nearby, and it's right by the door. About half an hour later, I got another motion alert. Here's the feed. Alright? So here's the next video. I'm going to blow this up so you can see it. Here's the next video. Nothing apparent. Oh. And then the turtle shell hanging on his wall drops onto the shelf. Hey. That's pretty freaky, right? It's strange. Pretty freaky, right? One more time. Now, I've just noticed just before it, it looks like the plant shifts slightly. A little bit. Could be the pixels, but... I didn't notice that. I it's just next to the, the turtle shell, so... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Pretty spooky. Yeah. Um, he describes the turtle shell. He says, I know it's a weird to own a turtle shell. My family lives in Montana, and I picked it up last year at a native trading post. There's a picture of the turtle shell in question. Mm-hmm. Then someone pointed something else out. I hope nothing else happens tonight. Wait, the fuck? Someone just pointed out that one of the blue chairs in the background isn't in the second <laughs> video. So there's a screen cap from the first video. See, there's two blue chairs. One yeah. tucked in there and one on the other side. Bad continuity. It could be bad continuity. <laughs> now, there, there's a light difference Yeah. there. Uh, the light difference could simply be that like a car's passed or a street light's turned on at a certain time. Or whatnot. Mm-hmm. Always tweak the contrast of the picture slightly to highlight it. But one thing a few other people have noticed is the turtle shell moves between the pictures. So it... now this is just before it drops. If that's hanging on, if that's hanging on a nail, it wouldn't shift down. So this is where a lot of people have stepped off and gone. Yeah, this is staged. This has been staged. Yeah, somewhere. yeah. Then again, in the second video. The turtle shell is higher, so it could be something pushing it upwards off the nail. Either way, that chair looks not to be there. Although, see where it is? Yeah. It could just be this light going past. Yeah, it looks like it. It could be this light going past. Because you've still got the curve of that. The shadow is is where the back of the chair would be. Yeah. So it's possible the chair is still there and it's just a trick of the light in that moment because there is an external light coming out somewhere in the kitchen. Listen to us, we've got all conspiracy theory. Um, better than Brightbot. Uh, okay. I just went and checked. The blue chair is back where it's supposed to be. So the chair is there. So maybe yeah. it didn't move, maybe it did move, but whatever. There is the chair. Fuck this, I'm not staying here tonight. Wait, now people point out the chair is still there, it's just the lighting. Okay, this is too much. I'm taking a Xanax and I'm going to bed. So that was the last bit of recorded activity. Yeah. That was on August 29th. A few days ago on September 1st, a few days before this recording, he confirmed that, hello, yeah, I'm still alive, uh, still working and everything. Nothing else has happened. I'm going to Japan. Like, as of by the time this episode's out, he'll be in Japan. Yeah. If you want to follow his antics... Moby underscore dickhead is his Twitter. Moby underscore dickhead. It's Adam Ellis. Um, I want to check back on this in three weeks when he gets back from his Japan vacation, where he believes there won't be any more activity. We shall see. Because dear David may have forgotten who he is. Fake? Real? I don't care. What a fascinating ghost story to I tell mean, on social media. Definitely. Yeah, it's it's fake, but it, the way it's been done is, is quite... Nice, I like it's, that. It's, it's ghost watch for Twitter. Yeah. 
it, it's you know it's marble hornets for still images and captions. Yeah, like it's it's look at this spooky stuff that we're noticing. That's pretty um, cool. I think that's pretty damn sweet. Here's my question: What? When is uh, Library Girl going to show up to reveal some more backstory? Yeah. She's been out of the game for a few months. Yeah, we need Library Girl. Back I don't know who Library Girl is, uh, but I mean, y- your brain starts to piece stuff together, doesn't it? It brains do that. Like They're the shopping, the shopping cart repair place. The structure inside it, like the pillars, like the old warehouse buildings, like, was that a store at some point? Like, smaller independent grocery stores kind of have that structure. And we're only seeing the shutter entrance. And, and why would they have cart repair? The why would they repair shopping carts? Well, why would they repair shopping carts unless maybe it's No, a they're repairing food carts. Food carts. Yeah, well, yeah. But again, like... Food trucks. Food trucks. Well, you got... But again, like, warehouse storage... Uh... Is that the sort of stuff that you normally have? Like, you have this warehouse storage place. There's one out in, um... Oh, God, where's Bartner? Near Bartner Field is a place that has stock in for yeah. certain companies that, like, dish out foods there. And they sometimes just open up and have sales of excess product. So it might not have been, a like, a supermarket, for example. It could have been a storage place. Yeah, and they did. Little David's gone along one day and hmm. shelves landed on his head. Like, there's... It's an interesting way to tell a story. So yeah, yeah, absolutely. If you guys haven't seen the Dear David pictures and everything, we will tweet out a link after this podcast goes out. But again, if you want to see it as it happens and follow every tweet about it, Moby underscore dickhead on Twitter, Adam Ellis. Pray for Adam Ellis. Pray for him. Pray for um, him. So that is Dear David. Just thought I'd uh, spread this creepy little ghost story. You did spread happens. it. That felt like half the podcast. It probably was. Um, All right, though, wasn't it? Yeah, pretty right. cool. Pretty um, spooky. So, pretty spooky. Before we go to the emails, we're going to stop in at our usual Rick and Morty corner. Rick and Morty corner. Morty. Morty. This, this, week's, this week's episode, Rest and Ricklaxation. Rest and Ricklaxation. I love how every other episode they go, we should come up with a pun using Rick's name, but they're not always consistent with it. Yeah. Just like, we'll do a pun at some point. Ah. Rest and relaxation. As we know, last week, I had some problems with the Willy Dilly Conspiracy. You did have some problems with the Willy Dilly Conspiracy. found it kind of mediocre in comparison to a lot of other episodes. There was some good stuff, but I just didn't... I felt like there was a problem evident in there and that the, the emotional grounding of the family drama has become a bit too focal, much of a focal point now, when it was beautiful. It was a beautiful spine to the story in the first two series, and now it's become the skin and the organs and oh, everything. Is that what you think? Yeah. But do you know what? Do you know what? Maybe I just need to have my toxic elements removed. <laughs> because I really enjoyed this week. I don't think there's a big enough machine to suck out your toxic elements, Chris. Oh, screw I've you. I've seen mean, how much coke you drink. Just just freaking just swallow that snot in the back of your throat. Okay? Uh... Clean throat. Christ's sake. Um, I really enjoyed it. Rest in relaxation. I thought it was pretty cool. It was a straight up Rick and Morty adventure. A straight up Rick and Morty rub. It dealt with the... I think maybe the reason I liked it is because it, it did something that... that I, the problem I've had is how much it's been grounded in the emotional um, stuff about the family's activities and everything. This episode was literally about an emotional detox. Maybe that's why I enjoyed it. Because mm. it was an emotional detox, specifically for Morty, who has had to grow up really quick. Yeah. Um, in this episode, all of his stress gets taken away. And we get to see Morty <laughs> at, like, peak positivity... And that is my favourite Morty performance from Justin Roiland ever. Scary positive. It's the scene right, where he's on yeah. a date, finally, on a date with Jessica. Jessica and they realise they're not compatible. 
because she's a bit boring compared to his new positive outlook on life. But he's fine with it. He doesn't think that she's boring. She thinks she's boring for him. And he's like, okay, you know, that's what dates are like. Seeing if the sparks fly, and I guess the sparks aren't flying. Hey, it's okay. First date, no sparks. First that's fine. No sparks. That's cool. It's just like, what is going on? I, yeah. And then he chats up a, like an older woman at the bar. She acknowledges, aren't you like 13? And he just flirts so expertly that she basically, without saying these exact words, goes, well, guess I'm a paedophile now. Yeah, yeah. Like, it's just like, it, it had the Rick and Morty dark humour again, but subtle like that. Um, for those who haven't seen it, basic plot. They go to, they, they have an, they have a 20 minute adventure tops at the opening credit sequence, the pre-credit sequence, yeah. which turns into a six week, um, six sort of day. intergalactic, was oh, a six day six intergalactic day. Star Wars-esque epic. Yeah. That gets so out of their control that they just burst into tears and break down when they finally get back to the car. Yeah, it takes its toll. Even Rick is like, that was completely out of my hands. <laughs> like, that was pure luck. We could have died, like, so many times. And he starts to, even at the moment, he's like, I don't know, maybe, maybe I hate myself, maybe I want to die. Oh, God, I don't know. <laughs> and they're just like, they're both so emotionally vulnerable. So they go to an alien spa where they mm. get, like, chewed up by a beast that spits them out as part of the relaxation treatment. <laughs> and all this stuff, and they take part in this like detox and get rid of their toxicity. Mm-hmm. And at first, we think they've arrived in some kind of hellish dimension full of hate-filled booger monsters. But no, that's Rick and Morty's toxicity. Their toxicity for each other and their life is so strong, it has its own consciousness that is now trapped in the detox machine <laughs> and wants out. Yeah. Meanwhile, really positive, happy Rick and really super confident, positive Morty go back to Earth and have a swell time. They do. They have a really good time. Until the curious Rick picks up a transmission from the spa, realising that the detoxicity machine is trying to get their attention. And this Rick's toxicity is basically just all of his nastiness, but yeah. he's still a curious scientist. He's like, I think we must have done something wrong, so I'm going to let them out. It's and almost let's... all of his personality, in fact. Yeah. Like, oh, God, yeah. It's pretty... You know the Rick we very briefly see in the... the, the quote-unquote fake flashback in, in the first episode of Series 3. Yeah. That's Rick, if he gets rid of his toxicity. Just a positive, scientific guy. But Morty's just a super confident, like, sex dynamo. <laughs> like, relationship counsellor. Yeah. Like, it's really weird. So Morty doesn't want doesn't to let the toxic one out in case he has to go back to how he was. Whereas Rick's like, no, maybe that's what we should do. And then ensues, and like I said, it's essentially like evil Rick and Morty versus normal Rick and Morty, like good Rick and Morty storyline. <laughs> um, although the toxic, toxic Morty isn't evil, he's just super scared and frightened and, and thinks yeah. he's a piece of shit. And it was really good. It, it went back to what makes me laugh about those two characters specifically. Yeah, yeah. Um, pretty cool sci fi concepts in there as well. Which you're all about. I'm all about. Especially Rick and Morty. Rick and Morty, to me, is like if Red Dwarf um, was distilled into a 22-minute kinetic cartoon that's frantic and never stops. And it's got a much darker sense of humour than... than, uh, than yeah, like, the dwarf dips a toe into that from time to time, yeah. but it gets lost a bit sometimes. In the, especially I, I, modern dwarf gets lost in sort of its silliness and, and just being happy to be with those characters. Mm. Whereas Rick and Morty's like, no, we're going to throw sci-fi in your face. And this series has sort of lacked in it a bit. It's been more set dressing. Yeah. Even this episode sort of feels more like a casual sci-fi plot. Yeah. But coupled with the psycho- psychology of what makes them toxic and everything. Psychology. And then just the fight between the two Ricks. Yeah. Where they both start to whip out weapons and devices that he's hidden throughout the house <laughs> to fight each other. 
Like, there's a bit where the toxic Rick, like, takes out this little creature that he then comforts and strokes and says nice things to, and the more stuff he's saying to, the more he's stroking it, the bigger it starts to get. Yeah. And it's just this tiny little, like, ven- it's like Venonat. Yeah. It's just this tiny little fuzzy bug thing that then grows bigger and it's becomes like an attack the block creature. Monster, yeah. That he then basically points at Rick and he's like, like I think he's give it part of Rick's coat or something, or he cuts his, himself That's and he lets it bleed like or something like that. As we sniff yeah. Rick. So he starts to attack Rick. So Rick shoots Toxic Rick with a dart gun in the floor that then has like a countdown on it. It's like going do 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 and Toxic Rick's like, no! And he like can't pull it out. So he reaches into the shelves of the bookshelf and he pulls out another one like it yep. and fires it at the creature. As the creature's tearing Nice Rick apart and Nice Rick dies. And then a new nice Rick, baby-sized, bursts, like, chest bursts out of toxic Rick when the dart goes, ping, grows to full size. And then another one of toxic Rick bursts out of the creature. And suddenly you've got two naked Ricks arguing. You're like, what is happening? One naked Rick who is, who is slightly <laughs> melty and gungy. And oh, green. God. The majority of the rest of this episode is spent with a pixelated box over their cocks. Yeah. There's a lot of nudity in this episode. <laughs> there is. It was great, and Morty's like, like business success, like epilogue is yeah. wonderful, and then obviously the, the inevitable return to the status quo. It's a really smart, um, <laughs> it's a really smart thing, though. It's quite fun. But there is a bit of it's growth of in this story at the end of it. There is some character development, yeah. which we've not had for yeah. a while in in that sort of progressive. Like we thought we got character development in series two, and then it comes back comes back to no. Rick is actually just. A, <laughs> it's like, oh, okay. But you keep hinting that he's he cares about his family and just, are you going to do something with this? No. Yeah, even if we're not going to get development of that, the Jessica and Morty story gets a little bit of development. Yeah, yeah. It ends bit. with Jessica Tiny basically bit. being like, okay, maybe one day. I kind of like you. Maybe one day. And it's like, oh. It's never, never All right, happen. okay. I refuse to believe it. And also Drunk Rick, apparently calling Jessica in the period Morty's away, babbling and crying <laughs> down the phone that he's lost his grandson. It's like, oh, so he does give a shit! But only in Even the... after Vindicators, where we got, like, basically a blanket thing of, no, he really doesn't give a shit. In this, we're like, oh, so he does give a... <laughs> Ugh. I, I dug it. I turned my brain off for 22 minutes, and then had to turn it back on for some sci-fi nonsense, and I enjoyed it. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a fun episode, man. It's it's really good fun. Plus I that like song that <laughs> What is the song? Is it grabbing something by the Jerry Flaps or something uh, like that? It's just yeah. Justin Roiland's obviously just improv to a beat. But then they've got backing singers and someone to properly produce it. So it's his bullshit then retroactively produced yeah. with harmonies. Which, you know... And it's could beautiful. Be, you could make the argument that that's the entirety of Rick and Morty. It devolves... It's just it devolves into, bullshit. It devolves into his usual... Usual... You, you, you piece of shit yeah. at the end. But it worked. It was great. So Dicks I look forward and to... And... I look forward to... I think it might actually be a fortnight's time because it's taking a break in the States of a week over Labor Day weekend. There wasn't a new one in the States this weekend. So maybe we're going to play catch-up now. Maybe. But I'm not sure how that works. We'll so see. we'll see. Hopefully. Well, I'll see. Um, right, emails time. Emails time. Only got a couple because we're recording slightly earlier than we usually do. Uh, we got. We did get a tweet though. If you want me to chuck out a tweet, yeah, we'll chuck out a tweet. Quite real. I'll, I'll, tweet. I'll throw this you one in. You chuck out the tweet. Uh, Ian McLean has written on Twitter. Oh yeah. Uh, well, he's written a bunch of silly questions like, "What's your favourite cheese? What's a plumbus?" Uh, but he's written two serious ones. Okay, well, the two serious ones. I'm not going to acknowledge the serious one. No, I'm kidding. Uh, the serious <laughs> ones are. Uh, what three films are you most looking forward to in 2018? Okay. Now, I don't know the complete 2018 release slate, but Black Panther. Black Panther. 
Um, Infinity War. Infinity War, yeah. Uh, hmm. Ant-Man and the Wasp. Yeah. It's sad that yeah, three my MCU answers movies. are MCU movies, um, but they're the only ones I know are definitely coming out in 2018 that I, I care mean, about. Um, yeah. I mean, I can't really think of any others apart from that. We'll, we'll do it. We'll I do a. We'll do at the end of this year. We'll do what we did last year, where we did like a, a roundup of the films of 2017, and we'll do a big look forward to 2018. So we can elaborate on that in a in a later ep. Yeah, because I'm not. I'm just not off the top of my head. I'm not. Too sure. The, f- the film I'm the most excited about for 2018 that I, I can remember yeah. is is Black Panther. That is the one that I'm most excited about. Black Panther is going to be going to be. I'm hoping. Step into the spotlight. <laughs> fucking awesome. Um, um, but his other serious question, good sir, kind sir. Yes. And this is quite relevant, really. Uh, this week, as you're listening to this gentle listener, marks the 25th anniversary. Of Batman the Animated Series. The Animated Series? A.K.A. the single greatest Batman thing ever. Okay. Let's be honest. In terms of adaptations, at least, and and consistency and all that beautiful stuff. Um, So he's asked, what are your top three Batman Animated Series episodes? That's going to be tough to remember um... specifics, but I could certainly name some of my favourites. And a bunch of them are so obvious, like you'll roll your eyes when you hear them. The Man Who Killed Batman is a definite favourite. Yeah. What about Sid the Squid? Yeah, yeah. Small-time mobster who accidentally kills Batman or believes he's killed Batman. So many air quotes in that sense. Yeah, so the mob, like, want to know his story. Rupert Thorne, uh, one of the animated series' best assets, actually. Yeah, yeah. In terms of his plots. Uh, Basically, kingpin for Batman the Animated Series, but before the Spider-Man Animated Series came out. Rupert Thorne... um, like, gets a hold of him, wants to know the story, and then, like, he ends up in prison at one point, and one of the prisoners wants to kill him, because they're, you know, like, their reckoning is... You know, it's in a bar, isn't it? Well, their reckoning is, if I kill the guy who killed Batman, then I'll be top dog. And the <laughs> Squid's like, um, no, wait, no, I'm not saying I'm top dog! And all this stuff. But, of course, like, most famously, the Joker gets a hold of him. Yeah, yeah. And there's this wonderful freaking scene where he's basically just like, tell me about it! Tell me everything! Tell- I want to hear the story! And you're like, oh... Okay, I guess the Joker just wants to hear my story. Then, okay, I'll tell him. And the Joker's like, no, don't believe it. Right, we're going on a night out. It's like, what? And they go rob a jewellery store, like a big jewellery store. Like, Harley Quinn's there smashing stuff up, and Joker's thugs are smashing stuff up. And Joker's just waiting. He's like, he's supposed to be here by now. Like, where the hell is he? (laughs) And it dawns on him. He's like, oh, God, maybe Batman is dead. So then they have a funeral for Batman, where they take a coffin, stick Sid the squid in it, Nail it short and push it into a vat of acid. And it, the reason why it's a favourite episode is Mark Hamill, as the Joker, gives the eulogy for Batman, which just turns into a rant about this snivelling little piece of slime who's not fit enough to lick the spit off my spats or whatever it is. <laughs> like, is the, the, basically the eulogy is him pissed off that this guy took Batman out. Yeah. It's beautiful. It's such a great scene. Spoiler, Sid survives. But, um... It's just that brilliant... Re- the, the eulogy ends with him yelling and screaming and all this. And then he just takes... Oh, God, Harley Quinn plays the funeral, like, march on a kazoo. It's so good. And the, and the Joker basically just ends this really scary moment. Everything's calmed down. There is a coffin in the middle of the acid that's going to burn a man alive. Everyone's gone silent. And the Joker just goes, Well, that was fun. Who's for Chinese? <laughs> and then they just leave. It's great. Um, Man, I Kill Batman's a good one. Um, 
what else? Mad Love is obviously a bit of a standout, Mad but I'd recommend reading that before you watch yeah. it. Because watching it's just like watching a really faithful adaptation of a yeah, good thing it's, you it's like. It's not as good as the... There's the, there's the, there's the, the, the book version's got the animated series designs. The episode is during the time of the new Batman yeah, Robin Adventures, yeah. so it's got slightly different designs that aren't quite as classic. Um, all of that being said, Over the Edge from that se- version of the show. Over the Edge, yeah. Over the Edge is amazing. Over basically, is basically the animated series version of a last Batman story yeah, it's really where good. everything turns to shit and Gordon is the enemy. But at the same time, he's completely justified in what he's doing and you're on his side. Mm-hmm. It's horrible to watch. I like his deal with Bane and... Freaking when, when, oh god, when the police arrive and they take Alfred in the cave and, oh, it's, oh, it's really traumatic, it's horrible. Heart of Ice. Heart of Ice, of course, from season one, yeah. the Mr. Freeze story, the story that proved that not only is Paul Dini one of the greatest contributors to Batman's mm-hmm. mythology when it comes to putting pen to paper, mm-hmm. but also it reinvented a villain that had become a joke thanks to Batman and Robin. This is before. This is before it, but, but I mean, in a way that sort of like, it influenced, oh yeah, you're right, yeah, but I mean, whenever people go, Mr. Freeze is dumb. I think I think I'm just talking from my own experience. Like, really, whenever people say, "Oh, Mr. Freeze is stupid," I go watch Heart of Ice. Yeah, and they watch it. They go, yeah, yeah. "Oh my god, Mr. Freeze is great." I'm like, "Yeah, he is. Yeah. <laughs> he is." Uh, but yeah, because yeah, of course, originally Batman and Robin was just going to straight up adapt Heart of Ice for Mr. Freeze, and instead it takes elements of it, doesn't it? Yeah, and messes it uh, up completely. Uh, the most, the loosest like Nora sense, and yeah. and stuff, and yeah, it's yeah. fucking stupid. But but like the ending of that episode is, is amazing. Um, god, what else? Which other ones stand out? Almost got him. Hmm. Almost got him as the one in the poker mm-hmm. club with Penguin, Two-Face, Poison Ivy, Joker and Killer Croc are all like in this villain's bar hidden yep. away and they're all playing poker and they're just swapping stories of the times that they almost killed Batman. <laughs> it's brilliant. It's absolutely brilliant. It's it's so... Because it's just these little vignettes, just these little two minute, two and a half minute yeah. stories like Ivy with the with the, the poisoned pumpkin patch rigged with all the explosives and... And like penguins, one is so like old school penguin, like it, it's in an aviary, and and there's like a freaking ostrich that is like trying to kill him, and all these birds that flock around him, and oh god, and then kill a croc. His story, it's like there I was, he cornered me in the thing that's in the quarry, and it's like yeah, yeah. and then yeah, I threw a rock at him, <laughs> and everyone just looks at him like, uh <laughs> and then they turn around and like Harvey begins to tell his story and Croc goes it was a big rock <laughs> it's great and you find out that Joker's story is currently happening and like the ending is great and it's like oh it's so good almost got it, it was amazing The Trial that's another one where if you just want to watch a bunch of the villains get together and do stuff yeah The Trial Um, that's really good actually like the new DA is uh, is anti-Batman and stuff and she's, she ends up locked in Arkham on a night when all the inmates like break out but stay there because they've got all the Batman and the new DA and she's going to be Batman's defense attorney in a makeshift trial. Yeah. With um, Harvey Dent as the prosecution. I thought you said specifics would be difficult for you. I don't know. I'm. I'm, I'm you don't I'm need to explain out. the plot of every episode. Just say it. what the episodes are. I love it because Joker's the judge. And, and, you don't have to give oh, us a full synopsis so of every episode. Yeah, but it's or so we'll be good. Here till next but it's month. It's so good. God, what else? What else? Holy shit. Um. <laughs> I'm trying to remember what it's called, but the, the three part where you first meet Rachel Ghoul is amazing. David Warner's Rachel Ghoul is really oh, good. Is it, is it called the Is it called the Demon's? Is it the Demon's Head or something like that? Or sure. Daughter of the Demon or something? Because it's basically the first appearance of like Talia and, and Rachel and yeah. the Lazarus Pits, and it's done so well. It's the best ver- best adaptation outside of the books of the Lazarus Pits and what they do for me. It's so good. 
Um, God, it's great. It's phenomenal. It's all good. The uh, Perchance to Dream, where Bruce that? just wakes up and his parents are alive. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Oh, it's so good. And the thing yeah. is, I'm, I'm, I'm naming a lot of episodes that are like sort of the the, the twist on the mythology ones or, or stuff. But but like the, the simple ones are amazing as well. Like the simple, like, um, seek out the two Scarface-specific episodes. Yeah. They are great. And the Creeper one with Jack Ryder <laughs> is really good. Oh, they're just awesome. They're all good. Girls Night Out. Girls Night Out. That's the one with the Metropolis yeah. crossover with um, Harley, was it Harley and Ivy? And Batgirl and Supergirl. That's really good. And Livewire. Livewire's oh, in that God, one as well. Yeah, of course. Um, oh, it's great. It's great. Go what was the other it. serious question? Uh, th- those are the two serious questions. The 2018 movies. Oh, and, right. Uh, okay. Batman. Okay. Right. Oh, oh, and also watch the movies. Mask of the Phantasm and Sub-Zero. They're yes. really good. Um, I need... Amberware and Batman Beyond. Um, yeah. I, need, I need a voice for Dan Rawlings. Ooh! Uh, let's have a look around the room. We're in the Tap Cave right now. So yeah. let's, um, let's pick, let's pick a, an inspired voice from the nearby shite. Uh, let's have Sylvester McCoy. <laughs> Dan Rawlings is played by Sylvester McCoy. Unlimited rice pudding! Etc. Etc. <laughs> What's the worst thing that's happened to you on air slash on stage? Ooh! Also, can you reluctantly tell me which Doctor Who monsters from the classic or on our past episodes from the revival you'd want to see return, even though we'd probably be shit and nothing compared to the original? I'm just going to have to hit send now before I come up with another six questions. Bye, chaps. Dan Rawlings, Dan Rawlings, Dan Rawlings, Dan Rawlings, Dan Rawlings. Could you say um, Dan Rawlings with a Sylvester McCoy R? Dan Rawlings. <laughs> um, now, can you call him Dan Rawling, God of Ragnarok? Dan Rawling, God of Ragnarok. Thank you. I just wanted that. Um, I just wanted some rolling Sylvester's. Um, so, so what, what was the first question? Things that have gone horribly wrong. What's the worst thing that's happened to you on air slash on stage? Ooh. Have you got any nightmare stage stories? Or because um, like you've you've worked on TV and stuff as well. Has anything gone I'm not wrong in particular? Because uh, I was going to say I don't think I've got any nightmare stage stories. I think stage has gone there have remote, been a, has gone rather well. For there me have been a couple of times where I've got distracted backstage and almost missed entrances. Oh, okay, no, tell lie. That's happened to me. Um, <laughs> but I've always managed to make it just on just time. In the net. In one of my drama school shows, I managed to skip ahead about four pages of dialogue. And we ended, and we just, between me and the guys, we, we skipped about four pages of dialogue, important dialogue, out of this fucking scene. It's, and like, just... it's like one of you just said something, the other one automatically responded with what yeah. they know is the response, and then during it, your brains are going, wait a minute. Yeah. Hang on. And we, and we managed to set it up, but. You came on stage, no said four lines on the left, wait, hang on, yeah. I'm sure we meant to be there for five minutes. Yeah. It was like this <laughs> ten page scene, and we cut like half of it out. It unintentionally. But you did what you meant to do, and just carry on. Yeah. And like, cause you, you can, there's only one of two things you can do there to fix it. And that's either somehow one of you double back, which which the other guy did eventually. Ah, so as you worked it in, but only like the very barest details. It was really weird. But if you get the story across and it feels natural to people who don't know the text, then it it works, doesn't it? Yeah. Because the other the other thing that you get taught basically is if you accidentally skip a page, carry on. Yeah. Just carry on. Just make it work. Because unless you've got the writer in the audience, no one's gonna know. Well, just carry unless of course later on stuff makes no sense, which was what was going to happen <laughs> if we hadn't have saved it. So yeah, that was a, tough that, was, that was a bad one. When we did Greece, because we were both we were both approaching Greece in oh, yeah, 2008. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, yeah. Um, when we did Greece, uh, I was a much tinier man, uh, <laughs> so I fit into the <laughs> the cream suit of Teen Angel. Yeah, 
I remember on, I think it was the second performance, we did five performances? Yeah, five. On the second, the mic packs, we had mic packs. Yeah. Which blew me away, because I'd been doing all the performing arts, like, centric, mm-hmm. less musical theatre shows, in the Kingsley Theatre, which was, like, not smaller, but obviously... Like, it was smaller. Well, oh, we, 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 yeah, it wasn't as, as tall, but I mean, like, um, in terms of the space between where you're performing and everything, like, there was still that... You know what I mean? Like, the yeah, Eccleston yeah. was the bigger theatre, the I Kingsley was the more intimate one, but, like, yeah, yeah, sure. I, I, we were... We were, you know, non-miked. So yeah, I, sure. that was the first time I'd ever, I think, used mics on stage. Yeah. And it freaked me out. Yeah. But I didn't have a mic when I was in, because we were both in ensemble, because you were Vince Fontaine. Yeah, yeah. So I had a couple of, di- a bit of dialogue and then I was in ensemble. Yeah. You were a jock, jock in the ensemble. Yeah, right? yeah. I was a nerd in the ensemble. Yeah. wonder where they got that. Um, Can't imagine. Yeah. But, but it meant that when we had our characters, when we go off and do a costume change, we had to get a mic fitted or slip a mic in to the costume somewhere. Yeah. I don't think I was on mic. I think I had a. I think I. You had a hand mic. I had a handheld because you were ha- you were hosting the because I did that. I did the, the dance. I did the hosting from the from the stage, and then I was just wandering around for the rest of it. So yes. I only had that one bit of perving, perving like I crazy. Was perving. I, had a, I had a couple of bits of like. We both played pervs. Yeah, we did. Because I did Teen Angel like pervy. Because you can't help yourself. One that well no, it was because um the director, whose name I shan't name, but if you know us from college, you know who it was. The director didn't direct or stage the Teen Angel sequence. Until the day before the first performance. Do you remember? Every time we did full runs, we skipped Teen Angel. What was that? I think it was because I was the only dude in it. And I wasn't doing any dancing or any movement. And that person wasn't interested. Now, I know that's a stereotype. And I know that's a bit of an accusation. But it's the only thing I can think of. Yeah, that makes sense. Because why would you... Like, I was getting panicked. I was like, we perform, like, on Tuesday. It's Monday. I don't know what my sequence is. I've been rehearsing the song like crazy in the other room. I don't know what else is going on. But then I just did it. So I had, I kind of had to create a tone for it in a way. And I just made myself a bit lecherous. So like while Teen Angel's singing to... Oh, who's the character he's singing to? Um, Frenchie. Frenchie. While I was singing to Frenchie, it was uh, Lizzie? Was it was the name of the actor? I think so. Can't remember um, who played who. I was basically just being a bit creepy. Because I thought, I, just, I can't play this cheesy... Because no one's like, so I've not been able to ease myself into it and figure out the stage. So I'm going to be a bit odd. And he, he seemed to like it. When, we finally, direct- been a bit no, odd, when we finally directed the sequence, <laughs> he, he seemed to like it. So we encouraged it. So like, fair enough. I'll keep going. Um, but tight ass suit, having to get this microphone on. There's not much room for the microphone in that suit. If you remember that suit, that suit was basically skin. It, it was like skin. Yeah. There was nowhere to really put the mic discreetly. The only place you could get away with it was the small of the back at the top of the high-waisted pants. Mm-hmm. Because at least you had the jacket covering it a bit. Yeah. And no one is focusing on the middle of your back. Like, they're focusing elsewhere. Well, I've got a particular fetish, so I might be, but... Maybe. <laughs> I like that bit. Just <laughs> a, just above the waistline. Just above the waist. <clears throat> yeah, where, the, where, where the spine is it, it's most vulnerable. Mm. I like to rub my penal the curvature of your back. So, <laughs> don't you that. So, that's where it went. Yeah. The second performance, the clip snapped. Nice. So the mic pack, which was quite, they were quite slim, if I remember correctly. Oh, they were all small things. Yeah. Started to slip downwards. <laughs> so um. during the song, I'm becoming conscious that there is going to be a lump. Hopefully, just above my buttocks, and that's where it's going to stay. No. No, it began to slip down across, luckily not betwixt, oh. but down a buttock. Why did it not go betwixt? Well, that's the thing. You could have clenched. Well, that's the thing. Cause I'm, and I, held it. Obviously, by that point, I'm thinking, oh my God, what if it gets past my bum? 
and slips out like the wire's gonna pull taut and it's gonna fuck up the mic and what if it gets damaged what if it like the wire's long enough for it to slip out the bottom and I stand on it oh my god like what's going on and all this is going on in my head whilst I'm being like da, 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 yeah. like singing a full on song um and then it hit me when it finally did rest luckily I think I managed to keep my neck taut enough that it the wire wasn't loose enough for it to slip <laughs> uh, it did rest sort of mid thigh mid thigh mid thigh so there was a lump mid thigh mm. I then spent the rest of that night's performance bricking it that an audience member would have seen it and thought I'd shat myself <laughs> <laughs> now this was a cream white suit this was a cream white suit. So had a human being actually shot themselves, I think you would have noticed it. Oh my god. But to have just had a little turdlet floating around. Oh. So yeah, that's fuck me. Yeah. Plenty of things have gone wrong on TV, but none of them have been as traumatic in the moment as that. Yeah. Theater has a special kind of, of trauma. <laughs> it can uh, it can really put you on the spot. Um, have you ever got a prop? No. Because I think someone did during we did Dorian Gray, but it was mostly physical theatre. I, I think a prop. I think a prop was forgotten that was actually important, but we just sort of like mimed it. And because there'd been physical theatre pieces in it, everyone just assumed that oh, okay, like all right, they've got a knife or whatever. That's fine. It's like no, there's meant to be one. No, <laughs> there's I, meant to be a physical fucking prop. I don't in this recall. Moment. I don't recall ever forgetting a prop. I probably have. I've done every fucking thing else. <laughs> um. It's part of the fun, though. Like it's part of the risk of, of yeah. being on stage is that sometimes things can go wrong, and if you're comfortable enough in the in the play, in the piece, in the musical, in the in the, the the set of songs you're playing, you just go with it. Murphy's Law, in it. Yeah, Killian Murphy's Law. <laughs> he wrote it, I believe, and posted it out. Last yeah. email. Oh, 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 oh. Killian wouldn't like that. Hi, Chris and Matt. Oh my god, it's dear David! Just saw Chris's tweet to say that you're recording it on the today, right now, <laughs> instead of on the Wednesday. I might have to rush this one, so apologies for lack of order slash grammar. I hope I'm not too late this week, otherwise you'll be reading this email next week, and that wouldn't be very good. <laughs> Have you typed all those all those letter O's? No. Or did you just extend it for the sake of creeping me out? Just just the latter. Um, I like it. I thoroughly enjoyed your introduction video, Chris, on the five Who fans. <laughs> and I also loved your alternate tenth Who fan reveal. How have you been enjoying this week without either Game of Thrones or Rick and Morty? Uh, well, we got Rick and Morty because of... Uh... By the time you guys have heard this, there won't be a Rick and Morty to look forward to, but obviously we're a week behind in the UK, so we didn't get Rick and Morty. We've been watching them with the Netflix releases, yeah. just to make sure you guys legally have watched them all by that point. Um, and also just because it's easier than fucking about with like torrents and... Dodgy torrents. Apparently they around. go up on YouTube pretty much immediately for about an hour. Yeah. There, are, there are many channels that have managed They're to successfully do it. on fucking Facebook as well. Yeah. Wubble up a dub dub. Um... I've been fine. I mean, have you, have you picked up anything now that there's been a bit of a gap in terms of... No, um, I still need to finish Twin Peaks. I've just been... I've, I'm busy enough that I can not notice that these things have gone from my life. <laughs> um, I've always got something I can fill the gap, but nothing uh, particular. No. We dipped into films. Uh, Lucy and I finally showed each other a film we've been wanting to show each other for ages. Lucy showed me In and Out. Have you ever seen In and Out? Kevin Klein uh, movie no, from the 90s. No. Tom Selleck. It's a Frank Oz movie, so... 
you know what you're in for, pretty much. <laughs> Unless it's a little shop of horrors, it's kind of stupid. But it has got some really nice performances and really funny lines in it. Yeah, yeah. Um, like, really funny lines. Yeah. Um, it's, it's, I don't think it's aged well. I think Lucy's got nostalgia glasses for it. It's about, um, it's about a man who basically, after one of his former, st- a teacher who one of his, in a very white picket, fancy small town America, yeah. who's beloved by the community, he's a teacher, everyone loves him. And then one of his former students wins an Oscar. And at the Oscars, like, he played a gay soldier. And he basically gives a shout out to, like, the bravest gay man he's ever known, his teacher. And he, he's scheduled to get married, like, three days later to another teacher. And they've been together five years. And, you know, like, they've been very, like, very traditional, like, you know, Christian Roma. Like, they've, they've not slept together. They live in different houses and all this. Uh... And suddenly the town's like, wait, are you gay? And he's like, no, I'm not, I'm not. And, like, news and media start to show up and get, you know, like, fascinated with the story. And he's like, oh... I'm not gay, I'm not gay, I'm getting married in three days. And then he begins to doubt his sexuality. Oh, Because no. they sort of imply that he's never really been intimate with anyone, so he's never really explored physical connection before, other than, like, giving each other a kiss. Yeah. And it's like, he does love her, but does he love her in that way? And So he starts to question it, and Tom uh. Selleck's a reporter who sticks around longer, because he, he's a gay man. He's like, I'm seeing something in you that I went through myself, and I think this is why your student believes you're gay. I can kind of see it. So, so it's, it's, but it's that it's that weird thing of like the town begin to react negatively toward him, and it's like they don't do enough business to say that the town is like very Christian or anything like that. Yeah. Um, they they spend more time going like everybody loves him, so every, all of a sudden everybody being weird and awkward around him is like, oh well, everyone else is just a bag of dicks then, aren't they? Yeah. Um, so it's an interesting story, but it's told it's told by Frank Oz, so it's not like a a, a drama with a quirky angle. It's a comedy. Yeah. So some yeah. of it is aged awkwardly. Yeah, um, yeah. But Kevin Klein's central performance is amazing. Hmm. And who's who? Which Joan is I'm thinking of? Um, she's an Adam's Family Values and so, John. Is it John Cusack? John Cusack. Yeah, she's adorable. She's she's his wife to be. She's fucking hilarious. Oh, she's hilarious she's in it. She's really good in it. Um, but it kind of dug it. I'm, I'm glad she showed it me. Like, I'm definitely glad she showed it to me. This is yeah. brilliant sequence where he's listening to like a how to be more masculine tape, like sort of like force him to sort of, you know, be more more of a masculine guy, because obviously it's that, it's that awkward stereotype, of, yeah. you know, like, um, and all that and the other. But it's it's a funny sequence, because the tape preempts everything he does. So, <laughs> like, you know, he sort of, like, says, like, stand up, stand up straight! Stand up there, you're a man! I said a man, not a little teapot, because he's got one of his hands on his hips, he sort of, like, lowers it. It's just like, it's like, it's a very well-staged yeah, sequence. Yeah. It's played brilliantly by Kevin Klein. Huh. Um, so, yeah. And I showed her Get Out. Which is amazing. She finally yeah. Get Out, which got on Blu-ray. And it's a really, like, dark black and white spine, so it stands out from your shelf like it's warning people visiting your house. Nice. <laughs> with a subliminal message. Nice. Uh, what's the alternate ending? Do you know about the alternate ending? No, what's the alternate ending? It's the ending you thought was going to happen. Minor spoilers which, for the movie Get Out. Point? Minor spoilers for the movie Get Out. When the police car pulls up at the end, oh. what you think was going to happen does happen in the alternate ending. Okay. But only after he has finished the job. Okay. He doesn't stop. He finishes the job and the police car pulls up. And then it cuts to him in prison several months later. And his friend is visiting him and he's like, look, we just need some more names. And like more of an explanation of what was going on. Like we, like we can get you out of here. Yeah. Like the fire burned like so much, but we can piece things together. And Chris basically just goes like, "It 
they're not going to do it again. Like it stopped. That's enough for me. And off he goes to his cells. That weird tribal music from the beginning plays again. And then it hits the credits. And you're like, oh, yeah, dark. I prefer the ending they went with, to be honest. Because the ending they went with was not what you'd expect. And and this was very much what you'd expect. All the tension. Yeah. Which is really nice. We handle. No, we fucking handle things. Consider this situation. Fucking hell. (laughs) (laughs) Still a great movie. Still a great movie. Um, So yeah, I think think we're just... When we have time, we fill the void with other things. Yeah, I've got plenty to watch. We're not really appointment Um, TV guys, are we? No, not really. There's only certain shows we'll we'll go, yeah, we're going to watch it week by week, so... Eh. Mm -hmm. We've got Rick and Morty. We'll be fine. Matt, when do you expect we'll see D.O.T.? Season 8. There's rumours it won't be coming until 2019. Yeah, we dabbled on this this week, didn't we, briefly? That's probably when we'll see it then. Like, they're, they're a busy lot. It'll be done when it's done. Like, it's, we're not really appointment TV guys. It'll It's out when it's out, and we'll watch it then. Yeah. Well, I'll watch it then. You'll you'll just live through it vicariously through me and Lucy. There is something we can watch in the meantime to catch up on, because something's coming back much sooner than I anticipated as well. Black Mirror. Yeah. Teaser trailer snuck out the other day. I need to catch up on that. And we, yeah, same. I think we, I think we both watched the first two or three, and we need to watch the rest. Yeah, I watched the first. Of oh, season three, it is. Yeah. Two. And you still need to watch season two. Yeah, I'm not watching season two yet. Season two is great. Um, but that, yeah, the, the teaser came out, and I went, "Oh God, oh yeah," because of course it came out last year, round about October time, mm. and it's coming out this year around October time. It's like, wait, sorry, hang on, hang on, <laughs> hang on, <laughs> a show that's coming out on time. That's new. Heaven for Fend. Heaven. Um. <laughs> Because I think it's because it looks so blockbustery now, you'd assume it would take longer. But, eh, guess not. I hope not. Uh, will you be watching it after it comes out on mm. Friday? How excited are you for it out of ten? I've heard it has very good reviews. Um, we are seeing it on Friday. If this I'm podcast came out on um, on a Saturday... yeah you'd probably be getting this on a Saturday yeah. because we'd have talked about it. But yeah, next week we'll definitely dive headfirst into it. I'm looking forward to it. It's one of my favourite books. Um, the reviews have been, the earlier reviews have been very promising. Yeah. Did you hear about the Sydney marketing stunt? Uh, you told up, me about yeah, it, yeah. People woke up to find red balloons strapped to all of the uh, sewer grids and, and grates and drain, like drain, drainage holes next to the pavement and everything. <laughs> uh Occasionally, they came a company with a like a stamp that explained, you know, it is coming, and then September seventh or whatever. But it's, other people just woke up and gone, "Oh, how pretty!" Nice. <laughs> I like it. I like it a lot. I like it a lot of old. Um, Part two in the Stephen King cinematic universe. No, oh, no, God, no, oh God, no, no, no. Uh, when do you think the BBC will start filming Doctor Who series eleven? Because when Matt Smith was a coming, they already would have been filming series five this time in two thousand and nine, which led to the effective starting date of April twenty ten. Which is why I think an autumn twenty seventeen series eleven start date would not be very effective at all. By then, I think everyone would have stopped caring. Have a lovely time in between now and this time next week. Again, that's not to suggest that you shouldn't have a lovely rest of your life. Your Tom Monty. What would have been nice um, and smart is if they'd have decided to do a shorter series for the next series. Or split it up a little. They'd do a series six and split it up, but have it all come out next year. Mm. That way they could have started now on the first, like, six, for example. Which would then be out round about April. Mm. And then, like, the next six come along in the autumn in the re- lead up to Christmas. That would have been, that would have been doable. 
but I suppose it depends on the crews and everything because they will have been split up into different productions based on their role. Like a lot of your camera ops and everybody would have been put on casualty and stuff like that, and everyone moved around and all. Well, there's rumours flying around that it'll come to Manchester. Uh, I think they've been quashed. I think what's going on with the Manchester thing is I think part of maybe the um, administrative, yeah, BBC Worldwide stuff. Oh uh, yeah, because the script editor's job is is still set in Wales, isn't it? Yeah, the script editor's job still set in Wales. Uh, apparently, there was an announcement that was meant to be made at one of the com- comic conventions last weekend uh, that wasn't said out loud. This, so it's still rumor. Take it with a grain of salt until it's confirmed by the BBC. But an announcement that was meant to be made as well is that the Doctor Who experience has found a home, and it's somewhere else in Wales. Yeah, and, it, and that yeah. the Twelfth Doctor's TARDIS is being moved there and reconstructed there as part of the experience. Which says to me that they have already cleared it out of Rothlock. Yep. Which says to me that they are building or have built the 13th Doctor's TARDIS. Which um, means they've already shot the regeneration. Yeah, oh, guaranteed they'll shot the regeneration. Yeah. I guarantee it. Oh, yeah, because of course that'll some, be in the Christmas special, of course. There's sometimes, there's some, oh no, but they could leave it to the last minute. There is sometimes a gap. Yeah. Um, for example, Peter Capaldi's uh, scene in, in Time of the Doctor, I think, was shot like as late as sort of um, early December, if I remember correctly. I might remember that wrong, but I'm sure it was shot I can believe that, right yeah. up to the... Even though he'd been announced, I think it was something more to do with like the scene itself and la la la. It might have been Capaldi, it might have been, um, might have been Smith. Although Smith was shot when Under Time was being shot, because there's photos of him and David on set, which is quite rare. They yeah. Don't, they don't... That isn't as common as you'd think, the two Doctors being there. Like John Pertwee turning into Tom Baker, I believe, was... There was some time, like, shot on the same day or whatever, but it wasn't like they were both there. Yeah. Like, they just lined... One before lunch, one after lunch. Yeah. Peter Peter Davison was there at the same time, because I remember him telling a story of, like, he and Tom sort of didn't really talk. Oh. And he just sort of laid down, and he got this feeling that maybe, like, oh, God, like, he he's regretting the decision... Or he's just thinking, oh, who's this young whippersnapper or whatever? Because <laughs> um, Eccleston and Tennant, that was shot months apart. Yeah, yeah. Um, like they wrapped in, I think, late May, and then Tennant stuff was shot in July, right near to it happening. Um, well, I don't think, correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think they'd nailed down whether they'd be going to do a regeneration at the end of that series. Yeah, uh, er- early in the broadcaster series one. Uh, that keeping in mind they were still making the end of series one. Yeah, there was belief that like Chris had decided he wanted to stay, but because he didn't, he he, re- he realized he was enjoying himself more than he had yeah. he thought he was going to. But then the production e worldwide or higher up stuff was getting to him, and he just went, "No, fuck it, I'm gonna get out." Yeah, I'm gonna get out. Russell put the regeneration back in, and it's like, oh, thank God, because he'd already sort of started talking to people. And David Tennant was definitely on his radar because he'd made Casanova the year before for Russell T. Davis mm-hmm. and BBC Three, and um, he he narrated the documentary. This is so meta as well. Yeah, narrated the documentary that played on TV just before Rose went out. Yeah, there was like a half hour documentary about Doctor Who with a countdown throughout the episode to the new episode, and David Tennant voiced over the documentary. It's like, <sighs> oh, it's so weird. Because so I think good. I believe by that point he didn't know that he was. No. Um, but he, he, I think, had been spoken to by Russell about potentially playing it one day. So, yeah. Why not? All very Why weird. Not? Um, but I, yeah, I mean, it'll be, it, it'll be out when it's out. Yeah. I'd, I'd, ra- I'd rather have a shorter series next year 
if it means that it can get back to the spring schedule that it took them so bloody I long think to get back so, I to. I think spring is a better place for it Yeah, than autumn, yeah. personally. It's just a springy show. Mm. Um, and it, it finally got back to that this year. Yeah. And now, due to like the handover and the way it's being done, it's screwed that up. So unless they do a shorter series or spread the series out, we're going to be waiting till autumn, I think. Yeah. Uh, yeah, which yeah. again, I'm fine with because I I can wait. But I'll tell you, I'll I think tell you why it'll it's be not... better for the show if it's out in spring. I'll tell you why it ain't moving to Manchester as well. Roth Lock was built for for Doctor, Doctor Who, Who yeah. and shows of that size, so they're not going to just suddenly go. Yeah, it's off to somewhere else now. It's like no, no, we built we built this city. I know they want a big change, but I think that's just cutting your nose off to spite your face. We built this city for Doctor Who. Really leaving now. That was horrendous. No, I can't do this shit. I'm done. I'm done with your bullshit. <laughs> well, do you know what you can do with that? What? With that bullshit? Send it to us. BigDamnContact at gmail.com. You can also hit us up on Twitter during the week at BigDamnCast. You can also talk to us in your dreams. We'll be sat on the green rocking chair at the foot of your bed. And uh, don't forget to check out BigDamnBlog.tumblr.com where we're going to be posting some articles and cheeky bits and pieces. So keep your eyes appealed for that. Of course, over on the Big Damn channel. All that goodness. All that good stuff. And I'll see you later. No, you won't. Oh? Because you'll be dead. <laughs> no! Yeah. Curses! Ah, no. This is your bad joke. I never even learned to read. So many regrets. Ah.